Alright, welcome to the Twistmire Podcast, or welcome back to the Twistmire Podcast, rather. Um, we're here again, doing this again, for the 12th episode. Um, we specialize in lots of Denver stuff, um, local music, local food, things, um, you know, debauchery. all sorts of other shit. You can email all of your comments, questions, and... Other things to twistmyrepodcast at gmail.com. Um, we're also on, well, we have Snapchat now. I think it's at TMA Podcast. We're on Twitter, at Podcast. <laughs> we're on SoundCloud, iTunes, Facebook, all that stuff. So find us anywhere, pretty much. Search Twistmire Podcast. If you can't find it, it's your fault. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> that lovely voice you're hearing is our guest today. His name is Curtis. He'll be our guest. I will be your host. My name is Josh. Kylie is out today doing some errands, so it's just gonna, just gonna be an intimate, intimate little one on one, little one on one, be one of those fun things. Who are you, Curtis? Uh, so my name's Curtis Bell. I'm a, a chef here in Denver. I um, do a lot of personal slash private chef work, uh, catering, um, working on a documentary. I have my hands in a lot of stuff. Nice. Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, uh, that documentary, I'm really excited to talk about that. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's a fun one, man. Yeah. It's getting close, too. I'm excited. So I'm starting this new thing where any guests that I have, I'm going to pull up their Facebook and uh, <laughs> oh God. study them for that's, a minute. That's scary. Let's see. You got, any, you got anything on I've here? I've never watched anybody like face actively Facebook stalk me. I know. Isn't this weird? It's really weird. I'm going to start doing this with every single guest. You, you don't have a biography on here for yourself? What the fuck? Uh, let's see. Oh, God. Nope. If there's any, like, nope. if there is anything, nope. it, uh, Damn. you'd be better off with my Instagram. <laughs> oh, details about Curtis. What are the details? Oh, don't even. Those, there's quotes. About Curtis. Here's what here's is about. Don't be pushed <laughs> by your problems. Be led by your dreams. It's so inspiring. It's very inspiring. I like it. I like it. Favorite quotes? Food is the only creative expression that affects every sense. That's, that's by Farron uh, Fran Adria? Adria. Fran Adria. Who is that? He's one of the best chefs in the world. Where's he from? Uh, he's from Spain. Uh, he was the uh, chef proprietor of Albuli in in Spain, and that for a very long time was the most innovative restaurant and really put molecular gastronomy on the map. Okay. Uh, so it, it has basically created the food culture that we have today in fine dining. Okay. Why don't you uh, just real quick give us a basic rundown of what molecular gastronomy is? Uh, frustrating and annoying and overused. Um, no, <laughs> no. So molecular gastronomy, I guess the thing about it, it's, it's misconstrued very often because molecular gastronomy is just a deeper study of food that was founded by a guy named Erv Thies. Uh, his name is, his last name is spelled T H I S. So it's not Herv this, <laughs> it's Erv Thies. And so is this basically like they're figuring out the, the different mixtures of foods and the different flavors uh, that come out of breaking spices it down. Yeah, and breaking shit like that. basically breaking down food to, to a molecular, molecular level. level. Yeah. yeah, but that turns into a trend of people like using xanthan gum and all of these different, oh, you know, okay. all, all all of the different like foams and gels and okay. things of that sort, where people were people are taking food and making it look and do different things to, sure. to have more dramatic presentations and effects, hmm. uh, different mouthfeels, different, uh, you name it. What's um, the, uh, what, what would you say would be the, the most, I don't know, the best thing that you've done as far as like that sort of thing, like ma- 
like making food be different? You know what um, I mean? So I don't know how to ask this question. Yeah, I guess. yeah. What's the most innovative, <laughs> like mind-blowingly crazy, yeah, yeah, weird, yeah. weird basing thing off I've of ever like made? if you if you're looking at like the the molecular gastronomy, like um, if you're doing that. Then so it wasn't an original idea. It was one that we took from uh, a recipe we had seen, but um, me and my friend decided to play around with spherification which is where you know you make like the fake caviars essentially where you can take a liquid and solidify the outside of it but the inside remains a liquid okay so that's called spherification and we use that to take quail eggs like like gummy bears kind, or like the, kind like the gummy of except like that have the little gushers of, yeah think of like, like a gusher without such a thick skin okay like okay. have you had like a like you know like fish eggs on on i, I don't eat fish or I, anything that you've never had sushi no whoa i know i can make sushi i used to make sushi with a but you've here. never even eaten it no how can you make something i've had, you the, I've had the rice <laughs> i had the rice and That's like so i had a taste of unagi once you're one of the few people i've ever no. met that hasn't had sushi yeah i don't eat seafood like period see but that's okay so that's you know that's your personal preference yeah. a lot of there's i've met quite a few people that are just like no fuck seafood yeah <laughs> that's how it is yeah Any, anytime when we worked at that grocery store when i'd have to go over to the sea, seafood department just and like go through their their fucking walk-in with the the fish, the dead fish, looking at me. Nope, but nope, you, can't you do don't it. Have a I don't like, like fish. Eating chicken? I don't like fish. Slimy ass. Chickens, man. I will stare at a chicken, chicken and then kill it myself. Have you killed? A, have you ever <laughs> no, killed an animal? I, I mm, an animal? Anything? Oh man. Have you ever killed anything that you've eaten? No. I always I, find that no, interesting. No, no. I've. I mean, I've caught a fish and eaten a okay. fish before. Okay. But that's ironic. So I, I know, right? It was when I was really young when I went yeah. fishing like a long time ago and stuff. But well, th- that's an interesting thing in food that that I think people don't. I would if I ever got the opportunity. I totally would. I'd be yeah. down. I mean, like uh, you know, a lot of people will. Uh, they don't like food to have bones in it or skin on it or things oh, like that. Yeah, that doesn't people are disconnected from what their food really looked like. Oh yeah, I mean, for pe- sure. Because I think the act of killing it and like the blood and all of that, it's. It's it creeps people out. Yeah, exactly. I think a lot of times, and taking a knife. I then, mean, then after they do it, they fucking join PETA because that's what happens. Right. Like, oh my god, I killed a chicken. I can't. I'm a vegetarian now. Well, I I, uh, I teamed up with a ranch a, a couple years ago, and we were doing dinners with the their meats that they raised. And part of that, I went down and was a part of a lamb slaughter, and oh, wow. went through their process of processing chickens. Did and you get all to that. like drain it and like yeah, like gut we, it and all that uh, stuff? Too? Yeah, yeah. We we grabbed it, we put it on the ground, shot it in the head with a twenty two, and slit its throat. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> threw it in the back of a threw it in the back of a truck, and then. Brought it back to the uh, their like breakdown room, hung it by its Achilles on its ankle, and uh, skinned it, gutted it, and cut Gut it down it. into pieces. It's yep. uh, it's a pretty it's dramatic a thing to be a part of if you've yeah. never done anything like that. But that's basic human instinct that it is. I think people well, have lost. How long know? ago was it that we had to do that, like on a daily or weekly basis, for oh, yeah. survival? Oh yeah, for sure. Like since, I mean, just a few decades. <laughs> no, I mean, modern modern supermarkets. You know, since people no, moved dude, away from the been, farms, it's been since I would say before the Great Depression. I mean, like, sure. Like after that, and everything started getting good again. After like like that came. What was that? Ni- the tens, nineteen tens is the Great Depression or the early early nineteen hundreds. Well, it was it was more so the you know the. Um, I'm thinking like Wild West, you know what I mean? Like 1800s and below. Even they, they were still killing animals. And yeah, they would go and buy 
already cut up animals and stuff, but a lot of times they would still have to go kill their own buffalo. I, I always compare it to like the, so the Campbell's generation, um, like when soup? Food, prepared foods. Oh, okay. Around, where we, we met. Ironic. And, yeah. Yeah. We, <laughs> we met working in the prepared foods. We will not say which company. Foods. Oh, I <laughs> <laughs> of, no, okay. of a food <laughs> company. Editing is a wonderful thing. Yeah. Uh, anyways, um, <laughs> what was I talking about? Um, preparing foods, Campbell's. Oh yeah. So it wasn't until the modern supermarket that food was distributed to a point where people didn't have to raise their own animals for a source of protein. Oh. So, and that was, I mean, most people lived on farms until the early 1900s and then mm. it was industrial revolution that changed a lot of I, things. Okay. That would be the, yeah. Which was 1800s, but still right. into the 1900s with transportation. Um, I, I think it was really the, you know, modern vehicles that allowed us to transport food around the country more easily. Yeah. And then people stopped learning how to kill and pluck chickens. But even my dad growing up, they had chickens and, you know, he'd There's go still out people and in Denver that have chickens. It's still legal to have a chicken coop in your backyard. Well, it was it was illegal for a while, which is crazy really? to think about. Because yeah, well, that's I mean that's just a whole fucking conspiracy thing. I don't want to get into. Oh, okay, fair enough. Just like just like marijuana being illegal. Yeah, There's well, uh, it's it's because companies won't make as much money if if certain things are legal. You know, it's the same thing as uh, why why uh, MSG was demonized because uh, the the salt industry had kind of beat down on it and came up with Chinese food syndrome. And in the seventies people were like, Oh God, you know, Chinese food, it gives you a headache and it'll make you sick and MSG will kill you. And you know, all kinds of really dramatic stuff. I remember when all that shit started getting all like, and and now studies are proving that there are no known bad effects of MSG that are, provable other than over consumption but hey if you eat too much salt it's going to give you a fucking heart attack yeah, if you eat too much sugar you're going to become a diabetic yeah, too so. much of anything is a bad thing but yeah. anything in moderation can be yeah. fine pause so, time out hang on um tennessee just beat kansas city 1917 on a field goal dope. on a last second field goal i don't know how i feel about that i would love it oh man that means the broncos just have to win we have to win out and yep. it's possible that we could still win the fucking division if we went out and the chiefs lose one more game to us, oh, and then that, if, that if is the Raiders, if the Raiders lose one game and then we beat the Raiders, we could win the division if we win out. Still, man, it's possible, man. And if we catch fire, Justin Forsett coming on the team right now. If we catch fire with him, well, as if a just, back. yeah, if Justin Forsett can can Ooh. really you know dig his feet in and and mm-hmm. cover some ground, then yeah. By the way, I'm gonna I am gonna have the Broncos game up on this little tiny screen here for 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 the game today that's starting in about 15 minutes so that's broncos good. patriots man it's my favorite game of the year and man do you remember uh remember jason yeah good friend jason i miss that guy so much this whole this whole season i missed that dude because we watched games together and like uh, this yeah. is the one game that i would love to watch with him because it was you know we're all did you ever go over to there and watch anything with us no no i didn't Just screaming I didn't at the to. tv like oh man it would get intense tebow time was was great man well <laughs> When Tebow was was uh that that season was really just yeah, so nuts. That's where everybody kind of got back into yeah, you know, being fanatic about the Broncos. Oh man, and I was I was talking about it the other day with one of my customers and uh dude, if the only way that we could have gotten rid of Tebow and not gotten castrated for it is by signing Peyton Manning. Yeah, there I mean, was no way that like John Elway was going to be able to let Tebow go and keep his credibility, I, you know. 
<laughs> well, I mean, because he won a playoff game. He he, t- yeah. like took us to the playoffs, and we won a wild card game against the goddamn Steelers. You don't want to get rid of that unless you get a goddamn Hall of Famer to come in and take you to two Super Bowls. You know? Yeah, yeah, totally. So. Well, I mean, sorry. Let's uh, sorry. Back to MSG. Oh, sure. Sorry, I I, I didn't want to. I, I don't want to like cut off too much of that. Oh no, that's we'll, we'll fine. We'll be we'll be updating that this sports shit this whole episode. I'm sure. That's funny. Well, um, so, but yeah, MSG. So the deemed it bad, and then you find out that it's actually good. And well, it, it just it just doesn't have the negative effect that a lot of people th- thought that it has, and um, people still really enjoy debating about that and thinking. You know, there's there's plenty of belief that it is bad still. Um, sure. But there's, but like you said, too much of anything is bad. Yeah, no well, and, and and the people that are you know it's you know what religion do you believe in and what science do you believe, right? Um, and and hey, you know if you believe that MSG is bad for you, so be it. You sure enjoy your food without. You probably also are gluten free. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which Whew, that was my favorite. Oh man, can you take me glue tards? Can you take me to the gluten free aisle? Uh, I want to get on the paleo diet. Oh what? <laughs> oh, I only go. eat what we ate before we. Yeah, go how to go live in a cave then and tell me how that works out. Yeah, and well, it's funny <laughs> to me how diets like paleo have exceptions. Like, oh no, but quinoa's okay. Well, how do you how do you figure that you can't eat grains or seeds, but or you but can't eat grains, but you can eat quinoa, which is a grain, like to the max. Of, yeah, it's like being gluten free and just eating we're, a fucking spoonful of flour. We're growing <laughs> and harvesting quinoa is not even not remotely as easy as as growing wheat. Right, it's very true. Um, yeah, we'll get, we'll, uh, we'll get more into this whole food talk. Yeah. What, what do we got to get in through a here? while? Uh, no, it was just, uh, not, not too much. I don't have a lot going on. This isn't going to be too crazy of an episode. Um, but the first, uh, first snowfall happened. What are your thoughts oh on that? It, that? How do you feel about that? How do you feel about me using a lot of expletives? <laughs> That's fine. This is a, this is a free area. You can good. Cause can it fucked me in the ass <laughs> hard yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. No lube. Oh man, Luke? no, dry, dry and mm. rib ridged. And I mean, it was, it was rough. That's my favorite. I had, <laughs> I mean, I had to drive to the airport at 8am oh. to take my girlfriend to fly to India. And that was the worst trip to DIA that I've ever had. I bet. I mean, it what, usually takes me about what? 30 minutes and took me over an hour. Her, her flight didn't get canceled. No, she was really lucky. She was, wow. so it was what, yeah, it was 450 flights got canceled yesterday out of the 1500 or so flights that they had booked so a third of the flights yesterday got canceled right but hers didn't hers didn't wow amazingly lucky i I, I wonder if they put priority to like flights that have serious connecting flights like international stuff like that you know like Ah. like hey your little your little flight to uh to where phoenix arizona yeah that's totally done you'll go on the next one that's going out because they go out every hour i had a i I met someone yesterday that um got he was supposed to transfer in denver he's going to vegas and he was supposed to transfer in denver and during his layover his trip to vegas got canceled and they couldn't book him on another flight till monday and that was the day that he was supposed to leave vegas and so he basically just got stuck in denver with vegas clothes during oh my god! It, during the worst snowfall of the year so far. <laughs> so he was like Tom he was Hanks pretty in that upset. movie Terminal. Yeah, I picked him up from a dispensary. I'll just say that. <laughs> uh, at least he w- at least he didn't have to stay in the airport for three days. Yeah, he was he was pretty upset though. I would be too though, trying to go to Vegas and get stuck at in snowy ass Denver when it's all ugh, negative four degrees. That was, that was pretty. Uh, was I'm trying to find out. Rough. Trying to find out what it was. 
How much snow? How much snow? Yeah. Yesterday? Yeah. Do you know? Um, Well, I mean, it depended on where you were. I think the official airport uh, was like four inches, but I mean, at my house in Lakewood, I got eight to ten inches. I was going to say, we got a lot out here, too. Yeah. Um, Does this go back? No. Seven News doesn't go back. You need need Siri on your computer so you can just be like, hey, bitch. I I do do need an (laughs) Apple. I have... I have an iPhone, and I've had an iPhone for years. I don't know why I didn't get a freaking Apple computer. Because this one was cheaper, that's why. I I, exactly I, I bucked why. up and got a Mac, man. I, I did it. I will, eventually. It's the it's the only app, Apple technology I care to have. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start saving my, up for it. Yeah. My Samsung phone. Oh, it's, really? It's one of the ones that doesn't explode. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we had a segment about that. Uh, saying that's frustrating because i'm like yeah i've got a galaxy s7 they're like oh man you need to get rid of that thing and i'm like no i got the one before the note and before you know the batteries were fucked yeah yeah before people were blowing up their pockets and and then did you see uh, there was actually a report of people's iphones that were doing the same thing well it's the same thing as like the vape pens yeah it's the battery dude any any battery can explode any lithium ion battery has the potential to, to yeah. catastrophically ignite yeah. everyone's carrying a bomb in their pocket at all times yeah or <laughs> many i mean yeah no like shit. A, a lot of times you know you got a lighter a vape a, a cell phone dude when we're when we're filming when we travel i mean you're not allowed to have any any um lithium ion batteries in check bags so we have to do uh put all of our lithium ion batteries in our carry-ons and <laughs> For our cameras, our audio equipment, our stabilizer unit, our phones, everything, our ba- our battery packs to charge our batteries. Oh, like wow. we've, we'll have a bag that has probably f- five to eight pounds, oh at least, God. worth of lithium-ion batteries. Jesus. Which is crazy because if you think about it, you're putting that in a carry-on. On you a could rig that to be a massive bomb. Well, like you could you could take think, down a plane with lithium-ion batteries, probably. I, I don't to, know. I think you'd have to really try hard to make that into a bomb, and like I don't know. I mean, if, if, if you I'm not a, a bomb maker, but like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah. but like, you know, you'd think that when you're going through security with that, they would be like, "What are all those little wires going on in there? Like, why are these all attached to each other with a little timer here? What's going yeah. on?" Well, what if what if you were to just somehow be able to have like you have some little microchip, you have uh, little micro USB connectors, and that links them all oh, together, and then with that chip, it just this pops conversation it. is not the actual views of the Twist My Arm podcast. We no. do not intend on putting lithium batteries on a plane. And we're not and trying to give anybody ideas here. Yeah. Nobody get any ideas. <laughs> anyway, that would be... I'm sure that there's something that they bad. can do. Um, I also, I give up on trying to find the whole snow thing. The, I, it snowed a lot and it was bullshit. And it was negative four degrees at six o'clock yesterday evening. So it was cold and the snow sucks and I'm ready for it to be over already. And it's only December. Um, yeah, same here next on the agenda what do i have here you pay attention to the grammys none none no attention at all nope i really don't listen to pop music or really i don't either i just i think it's fun like they have there's always cool uh nominees like for instance this year i know there's the drama of beyonce and um, some i don't give a fuck some other that. some other chick nope don't care adele is she relevant still i think so that's too I bad i think i think someone finally answered her call that's hilarious um but and also adele is up for album of the year according to this right here i'm uh with beyonce right that like beyonce yeah beyonce adele Adele, justin bieber drake and sturgill simpson never poor sturgill yeah that guy probably had the best album of sailor's guide to earth yeah (laughs) sounds sounds like a throwaway (laughs) 
Yeah. Um, They're like, man, you know, we can't just have it be a bunch of, you know, just all. Yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, the, uh, I'm on billboard.com looking at the list of nominees for the 2017 Grammys. Um, some of these are really cool. Um, that's why I wanted to talk about it. Like I love 21 pilots. Um, I know that Good group. I know that that's very 50 50 with a lot of people that like some people really fucking hate them and some people really love them. I dig them. I like them a lot. I didn't their new album didn't really catch me as much as their first what three albums I think but it was really good and they're up for record of the year uh, in the Grammys um, with the uh, with their new album stressed out that came out. But shitty thing is they're up against Adele Beyonce uh, Lucas Graham and Rihanna. Oh, jeez. So it'd be amazing if they won, and I would be super stoked because I think that their album is probably a lot better than most of those other albums. Just the the work they put into it, the producers they had, the everything that went into it, like, to make it as good as it is, you know, just, I, I, I don't know. It's probably not going to happen. Though. It's not. Um, <laughs> they're up for a couple, couple awards, too. I think, uh, I mean, Adele's up for pretty much every single fucking award. Um <sighs> best pop vocal album best pop solo performance the first two we just mentioned what best album i think i'm one of the few artist. people in the world that can't stand adele <sighs> just i mean I, you know i think it's a mixture of overplayed and i really like about her just really rubs me the wrong i like some of those covers that came out for that hello song last <laughs> oh, year some yeah, of those, those like were, metal covers that were there were some funny ones pretty interesting um here's one though that's pretty cool best new artist uh the chain smokers are on that list i really like them yeah, and Chance, Chance the, rapper the Rapper is on that list. So um, he's up against. They're up against Marin Morris, Kelsey Ballerini. My votes for Chance. And Anderson Pack. Anderson Pack. Anderson dot Pack. Anderson dot Pack. <laughs> That's funny. Um, moving on here, you got not much. Best pop duo group performance. That's the one that Twenty One Pilots is in for Stressed Out. The song Stressed Out. The Chainsmokers featuring Halsey is actually on there as well. Um, I think Halsey's pretty underrated. I like her. She's great. Uh, but then they're up against Lucas Graham, Rihanna, and Sia featuring Sean Paul. God, dude. What's up with the music? I was talking to someone about this the other day about the music these days is just so trite and it doesn't mean anything anymore you know well it's, it's it's all you know what sells especially with rap oh my god let's go to the let's go to the rap field oh here. god that's just go gonna to make the, me mad I, it's seriously and it it's so frustrating because like and how are there so many there's still so many uh r&b sections up there yeah i know um best rap performance so we got we got best rap performance and chance the rapper featuring lil wayne and two chains is on there which is cool chance i like chance the rapper but then you got like drake Fat, Fat Joe. Joe. I don't know he's still alive. Schoolboy Q, like featuring Kanye uh, West. Yeah. Oh, and Kanye West. I'm gonna get me started on that asshole. Featuring. Mm, yeah. I just we, like I was saying, I was talking to this guy the other day, and he was we were talking about how rap these days doesn't have any meaning behind it. Um, I think one one rapper recently, I can't even remember who it was. He was talking shit on like Tupac and Biggie and like all those old rappers. Really? Like, like he's shitting on his roots. Pretty much, yeah. The roots saying, of, of saying what like, he does. Saying like, oh, they don't know anything and they, uh, they, they didn't go through anything and whatever. And like that, that's the mentality now these days is that the people that have paved the way for these new fucking entitled artists to come out and make a shit ton of money don't get any credit anymore because 
whatever <laughs> well, <it's, laughs> whatever it is it's not cool anymore or something like and, and maybe them shitting on them is just because they don't know and that's what it is they don't a, know they don't do they, don't do they they don't do their research they don't like you know they don't educate themselves hopping on a bandwagon and, oh, and trying to re- you know catch yeah. a catch a, a little bit of the steam yeah and that's probably the same kid that bought a fucking Tupac t-shirt at Walmart, you know, when he was 13 and has a, <laughs> a, a sweet vinyl collection that he's never listened to. Yeah. So then, yeah. Oh, uh, best rap slash song performance hotline hotline bling is up up for that one. Seriously. Wait, Drake. wait, look at the next one. Broccoli. Just broccoli by Dram featuring Lil Yachty. 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 Ultralight beam with Kanye West. Blah, blah, blah. Famous Kanye West. Why is Kanye West West up for two fucking awards? Or two, like two, he's got two, uh, what do you call them, nominations in the same award category. That's pretty fucked up. Yeah. Best yeah, rap just, song. And these rap songs, it's like this one song has what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. And, but 13, look, at, look at the writers. 14, 15. The writers are not the artists. Yeah. So the writers for the song Ultralight Beam by Chancellor Bennett and Sam 12 Dean, other Mike people. Dean. Kirk Franklin, Mike, blah, blah, yeah, blah, Noah like, Goldstein, Samuel Grismer, Terius <laughs> Nash. So I mean, who, so this, oh, okay, so this is, is this this one up here? Ultralight Beam right here. Okay, so best, best rap song, this Ultralight Beam is up for two different awards, best rap song and best rap slash sung performance. So the, what's the the best rap album? So. De La Soul? So, so. Hey. This must be all the producers on here. So all these different producers or something like that. I don't know. There's just all too much writers. going on. Like, look at the rap back in the day where it was, you know, if you look at NWA and and see like how they did their shit. It was, it was fucking uh, pen and a pad. Yeah, that and and three dudes in a room doing shit. Like, you got now you got. I mean, even when they were getting bigger, they had one producer in the room, maybe two. It's, I this mean, one, you have 12 producers can, for one song. You can kind of sum up this whole song if you just listen to Forgot About Dre. Yeah. No so shit. when he came out with that, you think about it, rap has never been the change. It's and true. he said, you know, fuck rap, you can have it back. Pretty much. Yeah, it's it's not really, I mean, even music just in general doesn't really have much meaning anymore. It's all about how much money you can make, how many people love you, and whatever. They don't, you don't people don't write to put their heart and soul into it they don't write to tell a story they, they write to they, make money they write to make money that's that's all the different like dubstep artists and stuff that well, that just write on their computers they write their little music on their computers and throw i mean a and, words and you could there, say like, that there might be some some talent there okay well so you learned the program well you learn the program and yeah you can use a midi keyboard and you can <coughs> do some other stuff like that's great I mean, it, it's it's reason why you know there's there's if we're talking about hip-hop so there's there's artists that i'm a fan of like atmosphere because you know sean daly slug mm. he well, writes yeah, and produce sure. him and him and anthony they write and produce all their own stuff and and right. His style since the early 2000s has not changed, and he still writes with meaning and inference, and you know, and he's got something behind it. Yeah, he he like tells a a story. He's like he he uses his personal experiences to write this music and like lets his emotions go out on paper. You know, like these other people are just most of them don't even write their own fucking music. No, they're a pretty face. Most most of the uh, pop songs of the last. 10 15 20 i mean i think it's been happening a lot longer than that but i mean they're they're not written by the artists themselves yeah for sure um one last thing on here uh best let's see we'll start we'll go into the the rock rock field really quick because this is is pretty cool actually um 
Alabama Shakes. Uh, for best oh, rock cool. performance, you got Alabama Shakes. Beyonce featuring Jack White in a rock performance. That shouldn't be there. David Bowie. But then you got David Bowie, Disturbed, and 21 Pilots. Do you think David Bowie wins because of the Mozart effect? I think, well, I mean, Prince, he died. Prince won uh, some award not too long ago for selling the most albums this year. Purple Rain. Yeah. It's crazy. That's <laughs> um, crazy. But, pro- I mean, David Bowie will probably win something here, I'm, I'm assuming. Like he's got best, he's up for a couple of these awards. So, um, then you got best metal performances. You got Baroness, Gojira, Corn, Megadeth, Megadeth, and Periphery C- on there. Corn, cool. Yeah, Corn's on there. They they're still making music. They just kind of came back. They're having a little. They ran out of money. You mean? Exactly. <laughs> that's dude. That that's so funny you say that because every time I see like oh a ten year anniversary of this album, it's like oh wait no those like, guys need some money like fat ass Axl Rose <laughs> still yeah. going on tour oh yeah that's the best like dude you shouldn't have bought that other mansion <laughs> yeah. maybe you should have thought about your kids college fund <laughs> oh my god but that's cool uh, Baroness is on is up for a Grammy or yeah a Grammy that's awesome and Periphery I really like Periphery um, Radiohead yeah best rock song you got uh, Black Star by David Bowie nice. Burn the Witch by Radiohead Hardwired by Metallica which that album was really good by the way um Heathens by 21 Pilots, and My Name is Human by Highly Suspect. Best rock album. Yeah, best rock album. This is this is the one that I'm really paying attention to, because you got Blink-182, Cage the Elephant, Gojira, Panic at the Disco, and Weezer up for those awards. This is Blink's first ever nomination for what a year Grammy. Is it? So. <laughs> I know, right? This Whoa. is, I mean. That's God weird. Damn. I really hope Blink wins, just to rub it in Tom's face, to be like, oh, you left the band, and we won a fucking Grammy. Jackass. <laughs> Like, I mean, th- this is the first time they've ever been nominated, so that already speaks volumes, you know. Interesting. And I that, didn't know that. That album was incredible. Ooh. I, you know. Best alternative. Iggy Pop is in the mix. Oh, yeah. Iggy Pop, David Bowie, Bon Iver, Radiohead, and PJ. That's cool. <laughs> PJ Harvey. Yeah, really. What fucking year is it? <laughs> no shit. PJ bon Iver, Harvey. even? I haven't heard that name. Oh, yeah. There's, that's the only thing for alternative field is the best alternative music album. So anyway, <laughs> the Grammys, uh, let's see, when is this? It's February, February 12th, 2017. Um, it it's will, almost 2017, uh, dude. I know. Fucking crazy. It's going to be the 59th Grammy Awards. It's you know, nuts. I think I think everybody always says, oh, time's going by so fast. It just happens as you get older, and it just means that we're getting older. Yeah, it just means you're busier. Mm-hmm. You're not hanging around with your friends, getting drunk all the time. Yep. Right? No. Yeah. So. Stu- it's it's not that we have less baggage we just have different baggage right <laughs> speaking of hanging out getting drunk with your friends let's move on to the disney mo- disney news <laughs> <laughs> no uh this is actually pretty cool because disney what is this? has uh it's just uh I-, I found this it's it's off coming soon.net just one of the little articles they have disney oh, no way disney this week so um this Remaking week, the lion king yeah john favreau is uh going to be directing the live action Lion King. The guy that was chef in that uh, movie, chef, the guy that was got that the, f- the food truck, that's John Favreau. He was, uh, he was, he did Iron Man. John Favreau did Iron he Man. He directed it? I think he directed it and he was, he was like the, the security guard guy. Interesting. You know, whatever his name was. He's, go. he's got a much m- let me more go interesting uh, this guy. Well, we, it's funny because oh, yeah, totally. we Wikipedia'd him the other day because he was in, in, what movie? We were, we were watching Elf, and he's an elf. Oh, yeah, for sure. But yeah, chef. No, there it is. Okay, yeah, so he was in Iron Man 1, 2, 3. He's, I mean, he's got a good track record. He's great. I like that guy. Interesting. Um, so, yeah, let's see. He's Didn't doing, realize uh, he was so multifaceted. 
do Lion King remake here? What uh, when are they gonna do? Uh, well, was that about Samuel L. Jackson? Oh, we're we're getting there. Don't worry. Okay. Um, anyway, so John Favreau talks the live action Lion King remake, and basically he says it's a very powerful, simple, well told mythic story with emotional components that deal with subject matter that the that movies that are geared toward kids don't often deal with. Um, so you're dealing with death, with exile, very deep, very strong family, a sense of revenge and, a, and of injustice. Uh, I think they really hit it just right, and uh, we'll see if we can do something that gives it a live-action feel. So, um, I, uh, John Favreau also, I think he directed The Jungle Book, too, didn't he? Which I've heard mixed reviews on. I loved it. I thought it was great. <clears throat> I haven't seen it, so I can't judge. He did. He directed The Jungle Book. Okay. Um, he's going to do a sequel to that. He directed About a Boy. Um, he did one episode of The Office, one episode of Revolution. <laughs> Cowboys and Aliens. My favorite. Man, that must be how he. he my favorite Harrison Ford movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's done a lot of shit, so I'm I'm excited for that for sure, especially because Jungle Book was so good, um, and Lion King. I I mean, it seems like they're doing a lot of live action Disney things now. They went, you know, in the '90s they had the cartoons, so now they're playing off that nostalgia, but making it more live action and like gritty and fucking real. You know what I mean? Yeah, which is interesting to see. Yeah, um, jo- I I recommend watching the Jungle Book and just kind of checking out the. Cause it's cool, man. It's, it sticks to the old story pretty well, and it's got some good, some good parts in it for sure. Huh. I'll give it a it. shot. I liked it a lot. Um, it looks like, what is this? I'm trying to find. I'm still trying to find when this Lion King is coming out. Um, damn it. It's got to be coming out like 2018 or something like that. That's what I'm guessing. Cause, uh, yeah, it doesn't say on here at all. Um. We just lost like 10 listeners. So, yeah, okay, anyway. Uh, Live Action Lion King coming out. I I believe it's 2018. I'm not certain, but it'll be coming out. I'll I'll keep you all updated on that. Um, Let's see. Samuel Jackson reveals the first recording session for The Incredibles 2. That was also one of my favorite Disney cartoons. The Incredibles is great. So, not only are they making The Incredibles 2, but Samuel Jackson is returning to do the character of Frozone. <laughs> I'm so. a fan of anything Samuel L. Jackson does. All right. He's great. I just watched Snakes on a Plane the other day just so I could watch that scene. I like came in like halfway through the movie and I was like, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait till he says it and then I'm going to change the channel. <laughs> <laughs> he said it. I changed the channel. <laughs> um, yeah, that movie, The Incredibles, came out 12 years ago. That's crazy. So it's awesome that they're finally going back to that story because... I thought that was I thought that was going to be a a new like cartoon franchise like a Toy Story or a Cars or something you know. Well, it could be. I mean, it could now, be now. Yeah, but now, th- I, now maybe they'll capitalize. It's just like, I'm sure they will. They're they're like, what can we bring back to make money with? The Incredibles. Oh, we'll do four more movies, just like Transformers. Oh yeah, they have. I, I think that's funny that they switched to Mark Wahlberg with it. Well, it's. I mean, did you see what happened with Shia LaBeouf? He well, he, he did a lot. Of, <laughs> I mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Shia, yeah. Shia is Shia LaBeouf. Yep. He's not very shy anymore. Um, it looks like, uh, let's see. It looks like Cruella DeVille. There's a Cruella DeVille movie coming out. Um, they found the director. It's going to be Alex Timbers. He made uh, Mozart in the Jungle. Yeah. Emma Stone is attached to play the role of Cruella DeVille, which is cool. She'll probably make hmm. a good bitch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no kidding. Um, 
I'm excited for the, uh, what is it, the Beauty and the Beast movie to come out, too. Have you seen that? I thought there was one that already came out. <laughs> it's not out yet. Okay. It's, so I saw a preview, I guess. Yeah, the live action with uh, Emma Watson. Oh, that's right. So. Okay. I'm excited for that one. Um, I think I'll be excited because it's Emma, uh, Emma Watson. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think that was it for the Disney movie. That, that, that's all I really wanted to. Uh, oh, I guess they did They did oh, reveal the DuckTales yeah. cast. Um, okay. That, that's a big deal. So, let's that's a big deal. I really hope they don't screw this one up. So, among those set to voice the fan favorite characters in the revival are Danny, Danny Putty, Ben Schwartz, and Bobby Moynihan as oh, Huey, cool. Dewey, and Louie, with David Tennant as Scrooge McDuck, Beck Bennett as Launchpad McQuack. All these people that are probably in a shit ton of cartoons, and I just don't know their. <laughs> Don't know their other work. Yeah, but yeah, that's awesome. I we talked about Ducktales. I think last week, maybe the week before, um, coming out this next year, and I'm super stoked for that. I'm pretty excited my, about it. I mean, I just I just hope it it, it uh you know I hope stands up. I hope it sparks a duck revival. We'll bring Darkwing Duck back. Oh yeah, Darkwing Duck. Then Man. May, maybe maybe they'll like spin off and bring Tailspin back in. <laughs> I'd be cool just with all that. those all those old. You know, I mean, Saturday morning cartoons from '93. <laughs> well, they'll come back with all of it one yeah. way or another. Once again, playing off that nostalgia factor. Yeah, absolutely. So. Every single one of them will get their own revival. Oh yeah, at least, at least once, they'll get like something, something going on. Yeah. So that's about it for the Disney news, um, which is pretty tight. But yeah, dope. Move on to the. Uh, oh man, let's check the game. What's going on here? Looks like. Uh, Looks like the Broncos are taking over for the first time. Finally, in the first quarter. What's it? I wonder if the Patriots scored. Fucking probably. Uh, looks I like hate, they're at their 20. I hate Tom Brady so much. I do. The knees. But Go I mean, for the knees. Oh, they only got a field goal. So the, the thing about Tom Brady is like, he's easy to hate in a way. But at the same time, wouldn't you be okay having his life? I mean, he's married to Giselle. Yeah, I'd also be okay yeah. with him being on our team, being on quarterback. Right. <laughs> hate, hate him until he's on your team and then I love him. I hated Peyton Manning. I, from the I day never he had came a problem with league. Peyton Manning. <coughs> I just hated him because he beat us so much. Oh, see, that, I mean, if we're talking about quarterbacks we hate, I'll, I've got two. Philip Go Rivers and Ben Roethlisberger. Philip Rivers is just a crybaby, yeah. and I think Ben Roethlisberger is just a – I don't know. I, I just I, I think it's because uh, a few of my friends are Steelers fans. I'll take that. And and we've created this I've created this mocking of, of Ben Roethlisberger just calling him fat and lazy and oh, yada dude. yada. But that dude can take a hit, that dude can he throw can. a football. He's great. He's I, he's a good player, but one I've, of my best friends is a Steelers fan and I'm <clears> always having to give him shit because he's got a good quarterback on his team, man. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to so, make fun of things that that, that are Yeah, uh, and, the, than and the you, Steelers right? are always <laughs> prone to beating the Broncos in the playoffs. Always. Oh yeah. We we face the Steelers with the Patriots and unless we have a defense that's out of this world, we'll most like likely we lose. Or if the as long as the Steelers have like two or three players out. <laughs> like yeah. last year they had three of their top players out or something like that. So Oh, third down. Here we go. Already third All right, down. Let's see if Justin Forsett can punch he it just, through. He just had a ten yard run, so hopefully he does something. Simeon, Simeon, I like Simeon a lot. Um, I think he's got a lot of potential. I, I don't know dreaming. about Paxton. I mean, he's nah, got those. He's got those rookie guy. jitters. But no, dude. Oh, uh, okay. No first down. So no, going back punt. to the Patriots. Anyway, yeah. So um, I wanted to 
God, get back to reading off like concerts and stuff that are coming up. I actually didn't do any uh, research here. So I just have the Westward, Westward Magazine in front of me. Um, if any of you don't know what that is, there are Westwards in just about every restaurant um, and at every bus stop around town. And it's just kind of a local magazine that uh, has all the concerts and all the different stuff coming up. If you live um, in Denver and you don't know what Westward is, you haven't been here long. Exactly. If you don't know, <laughs> yeah, you're probably from Michigan. Um, so that, let's see, we got uh, AFI's coming to town on January 28th, which is pretty tight. Excited about that. <laughs> um, AFI? AFI, yeah. They're coming back, an AFI revival. But it looks like uh, you got, oh man, Lola Black's Triple uh, Xmas on, Jesus, this is an old, not today. What is today? Today's the 18th. The 18th. Jesus, man. Dude, Christmas is a week from today or tomorrow. Oh, yeah, Christmas. Oh tomorrow. no, Christmas is a week from today. Today and then, oh yeah. So this week starts my my annual three weeks of straight partying. So maybe I, I know we were just talking about how I don't get drunk anymore, but I might start getting drunk this next couple of weeks. Ugh, I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm well, looking I mean, forward to the holidays being over. I mean, you got you know New Year's is always fun, and then my birthday is right after that. Yeah. So I, I I try and do something fun. I'll be working on New Year's, but <coughs> all right, here we go. Finally, God damn, I find that. I'll find the updated ones. Itch.io. Have you ever heard of Itch.io? I have. They're great. They're playing Saturday, December 31st at the Summit Music Halls for, uh, speaking of New Year's, for a New Year's party. Um, Looks like, uh, God, it looks like there's not not much coming up here. They're kind of, they're kind of just skipping through to January, man. Like, for real. The Nothing next good at the Fillmore or Ogden or no, um, and I thought I and you know I when I was reading over this the other day when I was writing this like story out I was like there's a bunch of shit coming up but seriously like you got Mushroom Mushroom had to play a week ago like this fucking Why are they fucking, fucking about illegal Pete's illegal Pete's must not update their Westward very often bastards <laughs> um but then I mean like the Pop Evil tour is February third. Every Time I Die is coming to town, February 24th. Mayday Parade is coming to town, March 29th. Um, Newfound Glory is coming to town, April 17th, 18th, and 19th at the Marquee. I mean, but this is all so far away, you know? Other than that, there's not it's a lot of people coming out. to town. For sure. People don't like driving to, to Denver and playing a show in the freaking cold all the time. But good thing there's still sports. Because there's a lot of that going on. Yeah, God damn, this is really disappointing. I'm sorry, guys. I I thought there was going to be some good concerts to to promote, but there's not. Well, Jesus. so much for that. Yeah, wow. Editing that whole fucking thing out. I'm not. I'm going to leave that there because that's... I like, I like people listening to my failures. <laughs> oh, that's how you... Yeah. But this week, uh, obviously today better. today is Sunday, and we got uh, Denver's playing New England. Um has as we speak scores three to nothing new england has the ball and uh it's not looking pretty so abs are playing abs winnipeg are, yep abs are playing winnipeg today at one so it's already started that's going on right now they're probably losing probably especially oh no they're, they're away they're not home so they're probably at least staying in the game <laughs> we'll see um tomorrow you got the nuggets at mavs monday monday you got nuggets versus the mavs at seven and cu basketball versus air force at seven that'd be a good game yeah, Tuesday you got the age-old rivalry between the Avs and the Wild at six o'clock. 
That's at Minnesota, so we'll probably win that one because it's not at home. Um, then you got the Nuggets at the Clippers Tuesday at 8.30. Yeah. Um, Thursday, got the Avs versus the Maple Leafs. Friday, got the Avs versus the Hawks and the Nugs versus the Hawks. That's interesting. I know. I thought that was pretty funny. I mean, obviously, the Avs are playing the Black Hawks. Yeah. Because that's just the short name, and the Nuggets are playing the actual Hawks. They, yeah. You know, but I thought that was kind of cool. That, Hawks and Hawks. That they, yeah. And they're both away games, too. Fly, fly. Fly. So <laughs> that's all I got for the sports and that shit. Um, moving on to Star Wars. Star Wars news, because that's how I live my life, and I love me some Star Wars. Have you seen Rogue One yet, Curtis? I have not. I might go see it tonight, though. We'll see. All right. I have seen it. I saw it Thursday, 7.30. I was one of the first, I believe, besides all the people that got to see the world premiere and people over in England that got it the week before us, blah, blah, blah. I was just but looking Actually, at no. No, I, I thought I've, I remembered uh, England didn't get to see it a week before us like normal. They kept it and, and it got released worldwide on the same day. Why would they? So, wha- so what's the reasoning? That I don't know. Something there's there's something like most movies they they get released overseas earlier or something. Huh. I don't understand uh-huh. it. It's, America isn't the best weird. after all. Well, I think I think, I think they're they're like experimenting. <laughs> they're like let's let's throw it over to the third world countries and see how they react. England being a third world country. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Anyone over there and overseas listening to this, <laughs> I love you. <laughs> we just said some really ignorant shit. Yeah, yeah, we did. <laughs> I apologize. Kind of. Not really. Sorry, not sorry. Um, anyway, so Rogue One was great. Um, my initial thoughts. We're doing a full spoiler review next next Saturday. It'll be Christmas Eve, so it'll probably be uploaded on Monday. Um, but I'll have returning guests Jesse, Travis, and Nate on the show to do that. Me and, me and Nate are going to go see it in IMAX this week again so we can nice, take and notes IMAX. and do some stuff. Do it. Yeah. Um, but it was great, man. There's a lot of good stuff. I, I gave it a... An 8 out of 10. Um, I gave Force Awakens a 10 out of 10, and this one an 8 out of 10. I have my issues. I don't want to go into them because it'll spoil it. You know, yeah, I don't, 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 don't want right to spoil anything for you, but I did have a couple issues that were very, really small issues, and these things that I hate, it seems that everybody loves it, and so I don't know if I'm like in the wrong or something, but it kind of, these the certain things that happened kind of ruined it for me, and I also wasn't a fan of the soundtrack. Hmm. Interesting. Um, I, I tried to pay to the t- or pay attention to the soundtrack as much as I could. Obviously, watching a new Star Wars movie, I'm kind of involved in a lot of other things. Yeah, there's a lot but, to pay um, attention to there. But it just didn't it didn't grab me like, you know, like the original the original ones. It, it also wasn't John Williams. It was somebody else. Did that, you that they brought in a couple months ago to write this score like, in a hurry. The the original um, the original composer left left a while ago and then they they found this other guy to come in and like hurry up and write a write a score so I think like he must was have been some internal drama there of course um, but yeah I think overall overall it was a great movie it's great for Star Wars you know it put this movie puts the wars in Star Wars there's no Jedi nothing like that it's it's all about the rebellion and the different oh, battles okay. they go through and and what they had to do to get the plans for the death star gotcha because so i i hadn't done any yeah i'm, I'm not as dedicated a, a star wars fan like you and i mean i i, I <laughs> not not a lot I, of people are man. well yeah <laughs> but i mean you know and i i like star wars but i've never been uh i guess i 
don't follow really closely in fanship to a lot of things. It. Yeah. <laughs> so with this movie, I, I wasn't sure what the angle was in com- in comparison to the other stories, but oh, okay. it, I could tell from the preview that I was like, uh, where does this fit into the storyline of where it's been? I I didn't I couldn't tell. Did you from, figure it out yet? Uh, from just what you just said now. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's, honestly, this movie, the ending of the movie is the beginning of a new hope. Okay. So it's in between episode three and four. Interesting. And it's like it's like he wanted to clarify. Dude, and they they do a lot of clarifying with this. Like it's like Disney was like, we need to like, we need to kind of. We didn't make some of this make kinda, sense. Kind of justify some stuff here that Lucas did because he fucked up, and we need to you know fix it. So. <laughs> That's and they did do that. They did some really good explaining on some of the different stuff that, like, old Star Wars fans would be like, there's no fucking way. This is not even possible. You can't do that. How would that even fucking happen? And then this one, they explain how it happens. And uh, you'll, know, you'll know what I'm talking about okay. when you see, you know, when you see the movie. Because, um, like I said, it's, it's right before A New Hope, so it is about them getting the Death Star plans. Gotcha. And, uh, yeah, that, you know, it's, it's pretty tight. Dope. So you get to see Darth Vader, obviously. He's got some cool scenes. He's used pretty sparingly. That's all right. But um, but his scenes were, you know. Dramatic. Yeah. And when I saw it, like, the theater was packed and people were, like, cheering and stuff when certain things happened. Like, Darth Vader came on the screen for the first time and everyone was just like, whoa, yes. Crazy. <laughs> so it was it was, it was was a fun experience. I love going and seeing movies like that. Like, those, those cult movies. Yeah. You know, on the first day they come out because everyone's so stoked about it and, like. Wearing costumes and. Yeah, there there was a huge party going on at the movie theater. There was like people handing out little lightsabers and all sorts of fan shit going on there. It was it That's was interesting. Dope. Yeah, and last year for Force Awakens, same we went to a theater in Loveland. I have to actually. imagine that one was even bigger. It was crazy. They had uh, they had different cups that you could buy, like and they were collectible cups and like different buckets. Of, I I bought one of the buckets actually, and it came filled with popcorn. You know, it was like a bucket of popcorn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like an extra 15 bucks for this fucking thing, but Jesus. like totally worth it <laughs> for you. And yeah, for me, for sure. And <laughs> I'm, l- I'm lucky that my friend was there to, to stop me from buying all of them because I was with a couple of friends and I was like, you guys want some popcorn? <laughs> <laughs> there were there were three buckets. and I, was, I need more buckets to put all my other I, collectibles in. Dude, I was almost about to buy $50 worth of popcorn at the movie theater that oh day just to get those three buckets. But fuck rent. I'm getting popcorn. But yeah, my friend was like, you got to. You gotta not do that. <laughs> He's like, you just got paid. You can't. I was like, fuck it. Do you yeah, want exactly. some popcorn? I just got paid. <laughs> yeah. But needless to say, I only got the one. But it, it's still pretty cool. It's, it's a little collectible. And um, yeah. So Rogue One, check it out. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. It's been out. It came out in theaters uh, this last Friday. So um, we'll go on to shows. New shows we've been watching. So I'll start with uh, Westworld. Um, Kylie was gonna be here and we were gonna talk about this because she just finished it i finished the sea the season season finished the season last week sometime then kylie just finished it yesterday or friday and now i need to start it and so yeah and, and curtis hasn't really seen it so i i'll briefly just say westworld is a great show has a lot of twists and turns a lot of like mind fucks you you know your head kind of explodes on the last two episodes because it's just oh god twist after twist after twist and like <coughs> I actually ended up watching the last two episodes three times because I had to make sense of it all, yeah. you know? And then I, I did watch the whole series with Kylie again. And there were a lot of things that I caught on to that I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. That makes sense now. And so it's, it's like uh, it's like inception. You got to watch it twice to kind of understand. Yeah. You know, 
Yeah, that's <laughs> which cool. sucks because it's ten episodes that are each an hour long. That's okay. And yeah, I mean, it, it, it keeps, waste keeps you occupied, but but it's definitely it's worth it. I really really liked it. Anthony Hopkins is great. Ed Harris is great. Anthony um, Hopkins is a genius. Yeah. So, but what about you, Curtis? What have you watched anything new lately? Well, I mean, this year I, I got I got obsessed with Mr. Robot, like everybody else. Mr. Robot and. Uh, I've never even heard of this show. You've, I'm amazed you've never even heard of it. Cause yeah. It, I mean, I guess it, it, it picked up really quickly. and It's kind of um, like Stranger Things. Yeah. Well, and, and this this year, season two came out. And I mean, I so I watched season one. I, I picked it up because I have Amazon Prime and I'd never used it. And I was like, well, what do they got? Oh, what's this Mr. Robot thing? That sounds kind of interesting. Yeah. And so like just the name Mr. Robot, it has really nothing to do with robots. Just, just, the just first, his name. First, clarify. Yeah, you'll see what Mr. Robot is if you watch it. Um, so I brought up I brought up the Wikipedia thing. It's a here. hacker story. And let me read. Uh, I'm gonna I'll read the uh, the synopsis here. It's uh, Mr. Robot is in a is an American drama thriller television series created by Sam Esmail. It stars Rami Malek as Elliot, uh, cybersecurity oh, engineer and hacker who suffers from social anxiety disorder and clinical depression. Anderson is recruited by an insurrectionally anarchist known as Mr. Robot, played by Christian Slater. Oh, nice. Christian Slater making his yeah. comeback, huh? Oh, yeah. He, he And he's pretty good in it. I, I remember when I first saw him in the show, I thought it was kind of huh. funny, but he plays a good character. So, let's see. So, he has them it's join like, the group of hacktivists. Yeah, So and then, and then this group aims to erase all debts by attacking the mega corporation E-Corp. So the interesting so, that, so they're hacking into everything to get rid of people's debts. So um, yeah. So the thing is, uh, E Corp is like it represents. The thing is, this is played in it represents like Wells like Fargo current times. Oh, but it's okay. like if things were a little different. Sure. And so it's what like is Earth Two instead of this yeah? Earth. Like what what does E Corporation? Uh, what do they stand for in our society? You can put that label to a ton of things, right? Um, and it's, it's just kind of it's a it's a, it's a big corporation everything. basically yeah okay um, so it's like skynet yes <laughs> okay. yeah yeah um let's see it says the pilot premiered on multiple online and video on-demand services on may 27th 2015 wow um and the series was renewed for a second season before the first season premiered on usa network on june 24th 2015 so it's on usa that's cool yeah um usa really <laughs> doesn't do much so at least they got something going for him <laughs> um 12 episodes second season premiered july 13 2016 mr robot has received critical acclaim and has been nominated for and won multiple awards including the golden globe wow golden globe for best television drama series and was recognized with a peabody award cool and then uh 2016 it received six emmy nominations so it sounds like a pretty good show it's uh, i mean you have to watch oh, it. Oh, there's from finally the premise. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and, and don't, I, I'd say don't read too much. Just save it for yourself to see because the first episode will blow your fucking mind. Okay. If you just, if you just don't even read much on it. Okay. Because it, it, it grabs you by the balls and sucks you in really hard. Okay. I'll yeah. check it out. Mr. Yeah. Robot. It's on uh, USA, but it's also on Amazon Prime. Yeah. I'm so if you watch it on Amazon and, Prime. Netflix You're going to end up watching shit. the whole season. I don't think it is on Netflix. Okay. I think it's just Amazon Prime. All right. Um, the other show that I've been watching a lot of <coughs> is uh, People of Earth. Have you ever heard of this show? 
It's on, I have not. It's on TBS. TBS is starting to get some good TV. They have Conan, they have American Dad, and they have oh. this People of Earth show. Um, they also had Search Party, which was pretty good. Starred uh, maybe from Arrested Development. What is it? But uh, Sorry, People of Earth. <laughs> back to that. Been watching this. It's, it's basically about a abduction anonymous. It's, it's an AA class that these people go to <laughs> for people that have been abducted by aliens. Oh, man. That's so funny. Yeah, and I think it's now in its ninth episode. I just watched the eighth episode, so there's a couple more to go before the end of the season, and it's it's really good. It's on every uh, every Monday at I, I believe what eight o'clock or something like that um, on TBS. And yeah, it's basically they go to this this. It starts out with a journalist, and he's um, going to this this group called Starcrossed to see what it's all about. Come okay. just check it out because because yeah. he, he heard about it and he's had some like he's <laughs> he had a weird experience and and at the beginning of the season he's like talking to these deer and getting these like hallucinations of deer and the only thing that he could think of why he's getting those is because he hit a deer at some point in time but then he goes to the star cross place and finds out that hitting a deer is one of the cover-ups that aliens use to to <laughs> to cover up you getting abducted you oh know? my god that's funny. Did yeah, you see who the, the executive producers are? Conan O'Brien and Greg Daniels? Yeah. That's, I mean, it's huge. Yeah, they... And, and it's Deedle D Productions, which wasn't that... Um, what is that? The Office? Yeah, I believe so. Um, but <laughs> it is it is pretty funny. It's got some dry Parks humor. Parks and Rec and okay. Office. Parks and Rec, King, King, of, the of, King of the Hill. Same, same people. So. so it's, you know, those kind of that kind of dry humor. Which but, I love. But smart, dry humor, you know, this super awesome. Um, it has, oh man, who's it? it has, uh, what's his name? Bob from Bob's Burgers and, uh, and, uh, God, what's his fucking name? Archer. What's that guy's name? I don't know. I've drawn so a blank. People I'm drawing a blank. To watch Archer and I've, I've never had the time to. H. John I've Benjamin. There he is. H. John Benjamin is in this as a cop. He's a reptilian. <laughs> he's yeah. He's also a reptilian. You just found that out. I'm surprised that Wikipedia has been updated this soon because that you just found that out like an episode or two ago. Oh, uh, there's there's but always somebody. Yeah, it looks like there's gonna be ten episodes, and the last two episodes are airing tomorrow. So maybe I'll do a little review of that too. I really I really like the show though. People of Earth, check it out. TBS. Um, if you if you like aliens and and abductions and like conspiracies and things of that sort, you'd probably like this show. I think yeah. I'm gonna like it. It's it's and it's funny. It's good. I like the the little aliens are interesting to listen to, like why they're abducting people and they've been they've been at Earth for like a hundred years, like abducting people, doing research and like living among people and oh it's, man. It's interesting. So it's like it's like um You got a Legolas looking motherfucker. He looks exactly like Legolas. <laughs> a, he's an alien and it's like men in black was like revealed aliens. Yeah. Yeah, kind of. A little bit. Um, it's still, like, they're still really secret, you know, because, like, a lot of the aliens, like I said, live among the humans. Uh, and so you don't find out who, which humans are aliens until, like, further on in the season and shit. And, like, oh, that's cool. And then you figure out that, like, most of the rich people in the world and the people with power are, like, reptilians. And oh. those are the ones that are trying to take over the world, you know? <laughs> that makes sense. So, yeah. It wouldn't <laughs> surprise me. Yeah, and it's it's... It's fun, man. Check it out. I don't want to give too much away okay. about it, but it's a good show for sure. Um, I think with that, we're going to take our little break and then uh, maybe watch a little bit of the game for a minute and then get back into into Curtis's 
Chris's interview. Um, <laughs> not interview. What interview? Is it an interview? Is this an sure. Interview? Sure. Episode. We'll say episode. Talking about Curtis and his chef endeavors. My, my and chefery. Chef, chef Evers. Chef Evers? Chef Evers. Chef, chef Devers? Chef Devers. <laughs> Sounds like you messed up saying hors d'oeuvres. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm going to play a song by a band called Unamused Dave. Um, I actually, I really like this band. I played them on one of our other shows. I think I, oh, what was this song called? I can, I can never remember songs at this point. You know, it gets, it's just too much. It's too much for me to remember. Um, but yeah, they're really good. They're, they're, they're like a small time band, but they're getting bigger. You know, they, um, <laughs> there it is, Bird Up. I played the song Bird Up a few episodes ago by Unamused Dave. Today, I'm going to play a song called Conform by Unamused Dave. Um, and yeah, check them out. You can find them on Facebook and all that other stuff. Just facebook.com slash Dave. It'll also be in the credits of this episode, the description. You can go find their website on there. So once again, Unamused Dave. The song is called Conform. We have a twist on our podcast, and we will be back shortly. Welcome back to the Twist Tomorrow podcast. That was Unamused Dave. The song was Conform. You can find them at facebook.com slash Unamused Dave. And yeah, I really like it. I like that song a lot too. Great, great stuff. Great stuff from them. Good, good little like punk rock math stuff going on. I think it's great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're going to, this, this show isn't going to be too long. We're just going to move on here to our main story. Um, talking about Chef Curtis over here. And uh, 
you know, his, his life as a chef and doing what he does and all that stuff. So I want to first start with just asking, when did you know you wanted to be a chef? Man, I was a little, um, it was definitely kind of a lifelong thing. Um, I told my dad I wanted to be a chef when I was like 10-ish. Wow. Um, Were you cooking at that time too? Yeah, I kind of, you know, it's funny. I kind of grew up cooking. Really? Oh, man. Sorry, we're watching the game now, so it's uh, we got the game and the interview going on, so we'll probably go a little back and forth. And the yep. Patriots just scored. It's Look now blunt. Yeah, fucking rushed it blunt. in. Now it's nine to three. Patriots are up, about to kick a field goal. So yep. yeah. Anyway, moving so, on. So so yeah. So I uh, cooking at a young age. You yeah, knew you so wanted to cook, be a chef around yep. what ten? You said about ten. And then uh, when I was twelve, I told him, uh, you know, where I wanted to go to school. Mm. and I wanted to go to the Culinary Institute of America in New York. And oh, wow. that's because there's a restaurant my dad and I used to go to when I was a kid a lot called the Trinity Grill, which is now a, it's now, um, uh, what is it? It's a, it's a, what's that? Uh, La Loma taco joint across the street from the Brown Palace Hotel. In in New York? And no, in, here in Denver. Oh, okay. But the chef from that restaurant, the Trinity Grill, he'd gone to the CIA in, okay. in New York, Culinary Institute of America, right, CIA. Right. Um, it's <laughs> not, not the not the government organization. No, it is funny though because that school also has the Food and Beverage Institute, the FBI. <laughs> what? Yeah. Really? Yeah, no joke. It's their research and development. Do they do that on purpose? They did that on uh, purpose. Yeah, yeah of course they, they did. Sons of bitches. That's but they, hilarious. But they got it, and they've got both. And <laughs> so fuck everyone else. That's they got really it. funny. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I told him when I was twelve that I wanted to go there, and, and he was like, "Yeah, keep dreaming, kid." And oh, I was man. like, "All right." Yeah. So did you end up going to school? Yeah, so yeah. I ended up, I, I mean, I focused everything I had in high school on doing competitions and clubs and this, that, the other. I was involved in everything possible. Wow. And uh, What kind of competitions? Did you do, like cooking competitions? Yeah, and th- there's one called Pro Start. That's kind of like a advanced or college-bound cooking class. Okay. And they have uh, a, a competition every year. Uh, and here in Denver, it's held at Johnson & Wales. Okay. Um, which is we took second place my senior year and I got some some uh, some scholarships from that, which nice. was pretty good. Nice. Um, and now, I, you know, so, did you, so you ended up going to CIA then? Yeah, I did. The yeah, I, I went there and you got enough scholarships and. Yep. I, I mean, I got quite a few scholarships. What did uh, what did your dad say about that? Otherwise. He was he said, OK, well, well, he, he so I applied to two colleges. I applied to Johnson and Wales and I applied to CIA. OK, both schools are pretty expensive. One's here in Denver. Mm-hmm. I got my acceptance letters to both on the same day. Wow. And my dad's like, why don't you go to Johnson and Wales? Just stay here. I was like, dad, there's a huge difference between Johnson and Wales and CIA. Sure. CIA is regarded as like the, the Harvard of culinary schools and and. Honestly, Johnson and Wales, I think, he takes a lot of the curriculum from right. uh, CIA textbooks. Right. CIA has better chefs. They've got better resources. It's right outside of New York City. Um, granted, if anybody's listening to this that's a JWU grad, they're going to say, no, JWU's better. Well, sure, <laughs> you're entitled to your opinion, but you know what's true. Um, <laughs> don't be mad. Yeah, don't, don't be, be mad. mad. I mean, granted, the thing is, How was great that? chefs and horrible chefs can come out of either school. Sure. It just depends well, on I mean, who's dedicated and who's passionate. Great and bad things can come out of any school. Yes, so. absolutely. Um, what I oh man, I just had another question there. What was it going to be? Uh, how uh, how was the school life there? Like, how was uh, did you stay on campus? Uh, I stayed on campus my first year. Got in some trouble. Uh, what you know, what kind of trouble? Ruckus. I was d- drunk and <laughs> disorderly. Uh, yeah, disorderly. <laughs> There's something to do with a, a fire. Um, oh. 
We didn't burn anything down. It was safe. It was a contained fire, but the fact that we were <laughs> we were making fires in places we probably shouldn't have. Sounds like sounds like the time. It was cold as shit outside, and it was Thanksgiving break, and there was nobody else around. So we sounds were, like the time we set a yeah. pile of leaves on fire in a parking lot. Oops, just for fun. Yeah, I mean, it, we had bottles of water there. We put it out. <laughs> you know, we were just staying warm while we were yeah, smoking. Yeah. But uh, but they so you got did you get kicked out for that? Kicked no, off the door no, I, I got I got reprimanded, but. But then I just decided that for my second year of school, I didn't want to be on campus and that I'd rather be in a house and all of that, even though that ended up almost being worse because just my roommates were crazy. I had a roommate from (laughs) from Philly, Jersey and uh, Long Island. Oh, wow. Imagine those personalities. Wow. And then this Colorado boy. I bet sports times were great for you guys. Uh, (laughs) It wasn't too bad. That wasn't that wasn't so bad. It was more that they were just all assholes oh man that's what was tough about it except yeah. for one uh, and what's funny is so th- my buddy from jersey he was actually the, the coolest of the three um philly was the worst <laughs> you still in contact with that guy from jersey uh you know i talk to him occasionally but yeah. uh, facebook. I I'm, you know i mean yeah facebook and stuff like yeah. that i haven't heard from him in a while okay um uh, but yeah he was he was one of my really good friends through college and okay i'm still um, in touch with quite a few people from college Word. But so then did you what what was your first like cooking job um, so my first job was it, was it before you went to culinary school? Yeah. Or? So, and, and, and the thing about going to culinary school is that back when I went, they, they encouraged you to have at least six months of kitchen experience. But mm-hmm. I mean, I was, I was trying to get, get into a kitchen as early as I could. And I'd done a school project that, uh, got me into a couple kitchens when I was like 13 cause I couldn't work yet. And then when right. I was 14, I got my first job at a barbecue joint in Lakewood, nice. Colorado here. And, uh, and worked there for a little while before moving to... Were you just a busser there? Uh, I started as a dishwasher. Yeah, and yeah. then I worked up to doing all the barbecue and cleaning and all kinds of different stuff um, with a little introductory cooking. Nice. And Learning then, how to hold a knife and... Not even there. I didn't learn how no. to hold a knife there. But my next job, I mean, I was learning that in school and I was taking sure. every cooking class possible. Oh, OK. OK. So you, you know. took like those uh, those those extra credit classes with the well, so the, the cooking ones. And so at my high school, we had, I think, five or six co- uh, cooking classes and I took every single one. Um, there was one semester that I had three cooking classes because oh, wow. I, I kind of it was almost like I rigged the system a little bit. <laughs> um, but I was taking way more cooking classes than I should have. Sure. Um, but, but still, that's what you wanted to do. So exactly. might as well do as much as you can. If you can find a way to yeah. rig it, do it. Totally. <laughs> and and it, and it worked out to my, you know, my benefit. And then, you know, I, I had a few other jobs before going to school. So when I went to culinary school, it was funny because I actually had a lot more experience than most of the kids there. Mm-hmm. There were a few that had worked in restaurants and were, were, you know, competent in a kitchen. Were there a lot of people that had never even worked in a restaurant before? There were, there were people there that had never held a fucking knife. Oh. And, I mean, these kids oh, these yeah. kids were so timid. I mean, and the thing is, chefs, it's very, it's very militant training. So, you know, you have to be prompt. You have to be clean shaven. You have oh, to be yeah, clean. You sure. have to be, you know, everything. Like if you're a minute late, they're like, get out. If they, the, they would swipe a credit card along the side of your face. And if you're not perfectly clean shaven, they'd say, go the fuck home. Dude. And, and come back well, when that's, you're I mean, professional and ready. That's the life of a chef too. Like you have to be early. Yeah. Well, and, like I mean, you're not a, on time unless you're 10 minutes early. N- now the you industry I mean? is much more gritty than, sure. um, than, than that. But if you were to go it's to like, some it's of like the, cooking boot camp. True, basically, but it's interesting because like culinary school, it was very militant for me. And if you go into the high echelon fine dining world mm. of cooking, there are tastes of the fact that it's a it's a debaucherous uh, industry to be in. Sure. But there is a serious professionalism refinement uh, aspect to fine dining, and 
that kind of professionalism I appreciate a lot. And, and I think what you find in most restaurant kitchens isn't that. Um, sure. And, oh, yeah, and, that's... and that was, that's always been frustrating for me working in places where there isn't that sort of, uh, mentality um, and yeah, refinement and, and oh, finesse God. and attention to detail and people just, you know, fucking around or, yeah. you know, the, uh, substance abuse that you see in most kitchens, uh, every kitchen, every yeah. kitchen has all sorts of substance abuse, but it's, it's, it's the, uh, it's the industry for the, you know, the, so, for social rejects. It's, it's, it's true. a, 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 it's very a true. job that you don't have to be public and, and a face. You can, your right. face is, is on a, is a plate of food that goes and nobody ever sees who made it. Mm-hmm. They just see your, that's your, uh, you know, your, um, expression. Right. And it's the creative. Expression I mean, it's not not that plate. not that we're saying it's it's like a the, everybody in the industry is a fuck up and does drugs and all Most that stuff. Are. But but a lot. Of, I mean, in my experience, yeah. dude, in every restaurant I've worked in or place that has to do with food, there's 90 percent of them are fuck ups. Yeah. You know well, I mean? I mean, even even myself, honestly, I you know, I worked in a lot of restaurants I've, after. Don't get me wrong. School. I've done my fair share of things as, as a cook and a chef and stuff I, like that. And, and a kitchen too. manager yeah. and all that shit. So it, it dragged me down pretty deep mm-hmm. to a point where, you know, the last full time uh, kitchen restaurant job I had, I was more depressed than I've ever been in my life. And, and it you know, for oh, having wow. such a lifelong passion for food, it killed that passion, turned me into a drunk. And I just, I mean, I, I remember even contemplating like suicide because oh, it's just such a dark place you can get to working oh, yeah, in those jobs sure. that drain you so, so hard. For sure. And like, you know, you don't have any time off. You don't, you don't get no, to you, you spend can't time have a social with anyone. Life. Like, you don't you, have holidays. You the only, the only family you have are the people you work with. Yeah. And if you, you hate know. them, then everything sucks. Exactly. And, <laughs> and I could see that, you know, from, from your perspective like when i'm a manager in a restaurant it really gets on my nerves when like people are doing that fucking around and going out and smoking pot and getting drunk and blah 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 like on their shift and fucking things up like because i have a good work ethic and i expect everyone else to have a good work ethic but that's my challenge in the restaurant because i i find it hard to understand that you know what i mean to understand the fact that they that most people that go in there just don't really care. Well, they're, they're just there for the money and they can go, if they lose this job, they'll yeah. just go to the next kitchen. It, exactly. You know? Well, and the thing is that, yeah, they, they, you're very replaceable. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, that but the, the good thing is you can use experience like kitchen experience for all sorts of things and you can yeah. move forward in your life, like, and make more money and be more credible and do better things you know, get, get better, you know, get to better places as a chef or a cook. It is hard but to you have get to out of the kitchen. But you have to It's hard to make it out of the back. It is very true. You know, um, but I, I've noticed most, a lot of people I know that have been chefs are changing careers. Wanna, and they don't want to get out of the back. Well, but the thing is you also can't cook forever. You sure. can't be a line cook until you're 60 or 70. I don't know. You can't retire. You can't no. have a retirement by being no. a line cook. You gotta find some way to move on, like you know, man. Move up, move on, move out. Like, yeah, that's usually it's, how it goes. Which, but so. that I mean, and that takes um, initiative and and mm-hmm. a, a level of passion and drive that most people working in kitchens don't have. Right. It's uh, true. I'm not saying that you know, if 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 you work in a kitchen and are listening to this, I'm not saying that you all suck, but <laughs> uh, you know. A lot of people don't have that self-starting drive to do something different right. or do something bigger than just right. And I don't think job. that's not. I mean, that's not just kitchens. That's everywhere. You know that's what I mean? True, that's that's yeah, the human thing now. Like people are just, 
there. Sheep. You know, they, they just kind of follow along with, with whatever's going on. They don't have any sort of drive to do anything different or, or whatever. They're, they're really comfortable in what they're doing, and they don't want to, like, branch out from that. A lot of people and don't like, like change. The older you get, the more stubborn you become. Exactly. And, and, and people are people afraid are, of that. And they're afraid of failure. Yeah. A lot of people are terrified of failure. But um, if you don't, you know, and, and yeah, if, if you have that fear and let that fear uh, drive Mm-hmm. you then you'll never succeed truly right I it's mean, like it's like you going to your college you know your dad told you you know keep dreaming kid yeah and you were like okay i, I fucking will fuck and, you i'm and gonna you, do it and you did what <laughs> yeah. you needed to do to get there yeah. like you worked hard to get it and you got it like it's possible to get farther in you can life do anything you want working hard That's like it's a concept that people have a problem understanding yeah <laughs> i've always said that you know the difference between a dream and reality is just doing it yeah I mean, and it, and it's as simple as no that. No matter what it is, people, you know, a lot of people have that, you know, that vic- victim, uh, kind of a victim mentality, right. where you know, oh, I'm I'm not meant to do this. I can't do this. I'll never be able to do that. Right. Why the fuck not? Yeah. Are you a paraplegic? Well, and, and a lot of people don't. A lot of people want like immediate fame from stuff. Yeah, you know, well, like they, they see all these yeah. YouTube people and Facebook people that are like instant gratification, you know, fifty million followers and stuff. But it's, but it's like those, those people didn't get fifty million followers in a day. No, I mean, They've sure, doing some it shit happens overnight. Oh yeah, for sure. But like, that's rare. But you, the, if you're counting on that, then but you're people fucked. will see that and be like, well, I'm not even gonna try now because like, you know, it's not gonna happen for me or, yeah. or something. You know, like it just they they get this like failure mentality where like I'm just gonna fail at it anyway, so why even try? And that sucks. Because that's yeah. that's how that's how we're gonna regress as a species. Is that kind of yeah, that kind of shit frustrates me because that's so. that's never been uh, that's never been uh, something I let drive me is f- fear. I mean, if you right. do it, it consumes you. For sure, for sure. Um, so yeah, back to uh, back to kitchens. What was your favorite kitchen that you've worked in so far? You know, um, I mean, do you have one? Yeah, well, it, besides it, your it's own. interesting. Well, because <laughs> so I've I've worked in probably thirty to forty different places, and and there's things I've liked and disliked about all of them. Um, the most notable one I can talk about though is is where I did my internship in college, because it's where I learned more than anywhere else. Okay, it, it was at a point where I was really hungry. I was really ambitious. I I had a a really high drive. I didn't care how long I had to work. I didn't care that I wasn't making any money. I just wanted to to learn and grow as, as a young cook chef. And there was a, I, I, it was a really good opportunity because the executive sous chef, this is a place that has two and a half million dollar weddings in Cape Cod. It's the only five star resort in the state of Massachusetts. So this is a pretty big deal. Then. Yeah, it was a, it was a really good place, and and I happened to get into their banquet program. How how did you do it? Did you just kind of go in and apply, or uh, my school had like connections, and and I okay. I had gone through an online application. The executive chef called me, and and you know they they burned through 20, 30 interns in a, in a oh, summer season. I'm sure, yeah. So he called me, and he was and did a little over the phone interview, and then at the end of the the call said, all right. We'll see you in April. Nice. I was like, oh, shit. I just got it. Holy shit. Heck yeah. Um, but I, I climbed the ranks there pretty pretty quickly just because of that that ambition that I had um, and that ability to, to listen and learn sure. quickly. Sure. Um, the the guy that was directly my boss, everybody called him Sarge, and he's like this <laughs> five-foot-three guy that just demanded serious respect dude i've always found out that the shorter guys in the kitchens are the better ones they don't fuck around yeah Uh, (laughs) i mean it's 
because you know, I, I don't know it, what it, it, <laughs> some it's sort not of Napoleon syndrome necessarily. Yeah. But I mean, the, the guy was a really great chef, and he he took shit really seriously, and that mm. was the most militant person I've ever worked for. But he demanded he, greatness. Yeah, and and the thing is, I kind of rose to that greatness because of what he expected and what he pulled out of sure. me, which was great. Because I mean, I left that place knowing so much. I went back to school my second year, and I felt totally at ease about things, and and I was confident in my cooking abilities, my my knife work, my knowledge of of dishes, and this and that. Because in doing the banquets, I was preparing such a wide variety of foods versus just being in the restaurant making one line of dishes. Right. You know, it, it was a much more broad spectrum of learning. Sure. And that's why I appreciate that experience more than any other that I've ever had. Right. I mean, yeah. it, a lot of times you can learn more outside of school with, with oh, real life experience I was, than you will. I always com- you know. compare it that like, you know, uh, school is, it's, it's the skeleton, it's the framework. Mm-hmm. And then, um, in practice in the, in the, in practice the industry is, what it is. is that's where you flex the muscle and build that muscle yep. onto that frame. And it's, it's repetition. It's, it's practice. Yep. It's, it's getting to know how people act in a restaurant yeah. a lot of people yeah, the don't dynamics. a lot of people don't understand like the what social. actually happens in a restaurant yeah the like social dynamic is important and mm-hmm. I, I mean i had to learn that because i was such a go-getter and all that that i butted heads with some people because i would i would be more a little bigger than my britches and, and try to climb quickly sure. or you know it just it rubbed some of the guys the wrong way that were at my same level right. but management owners always loved it because they're like this kid's gonna work his ass off doesn't care how much i'm paying him right. wants to learn yeah that's yeah. management material speaking of like moving your way up and and like doing things that that you not 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 necessarily were like assigned to do or whatever but did you ever fuck anything up like were you like i'm gonna take the initiative and i'm gonna make this and then it and then just you a fuck it up? um like, you know there's i i think I mean, obviously as a cook and cooking for so long, you had to have fucked something. Up. I fuck shit up every week, man. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, there's no matter what you like, there's always mistakes. You always forget always. things. Yeah. What was it? Uh, God, last week I had my biggest like Christmas party of the year and it's for my favorite client. And I was doing a foie gras hors d'oeuvre where I was toasting some hazelnuts. And if you've ever tried to p- peel hazelnuts, from the skin like you know like peanuts have that Uh skin on them Uh hazelnuts do too and it's it's kind of a pain in the ass to get it off but if you boil them in baking soda for a couple minutes they slip out pretty Uh, easily okay well i I, so i do that individually peel the fucking hazelnuts and then um uh, roasted them in the oven while i was doing a lot of shit i had set an alarm on the the oven and then i had to go run and uh go see another client about something and i forgot (laughs) that i had just put hazelnuts in the oven (laughs) So I, I left my house for an hour oh and come God. and I come back and I open the door and I was like, oh, fuck. I bet it smelled kind of good, though, right? No, it smelled horrible. Was it burnt, they were they, burnt they, nuts. Yeah. <laughs> Fortunately, I was toasting them at a low enough temperature that they didn't okay. light on fire. That's but good. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, there's so there's, it's a weekly thing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I can't. Think. No, that's I, I, I just oh, kind of wanted to ask. I do. Uh, yeah, fun. I do have like there was one moment in my younger years when I was in culinary school that I. I'd, I'd go down to this uh, restaurant called Plates in Larchmont, New York. It's just outside of the city okay. with my buddy Andrew. And we would work this guy's parties for him because he had a restaurant and they, he'd do catering off-site for super rich people that lived on like the Hudson East River in that area. And um, So one day we're in the kitchen in the basement in the prep area and we're making ring dings, like little, you know, little kicks? No, oh, yeah. We were making like homemade ones. Okay. So <laughs> we're making, um, making cake in a two-inch hotel pan. And so I have a two-inch hotel pan full of cake batter, and this it's kind of like on the counter. To most people. It fell. Okay, so yeah, so that's just like a big 
It's a pan. It's a pan. It's like it's a, two inches deep. It's like a casserole pan, yeah. but a little bit longer. Like eighteen inches by twelve or eighteen by, no, it's it's probably like twenty four by, I don't eighteen even know. something like that. Anyway, whatever. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> I it fell off the counter, in, oh in down my pants, in my pockets, in my shoes, like a whole <laughs> pan of cake powder. Oh, and and we're you know two hours from school. I don't have a change of fucking pants and shoes yeah. and stuff. So I have to go the rest of the day prepping food with cake batter all over my pants. And nice. plus I was standing on these mats in the kitchen that have all the little circles in them, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I have to clean the mat, clean the floor, try to wipe some of this shit off of me and out of my shoes. I was gonna say it's all in the soles and of your shoes. Too. By the end of the day, it had dried up and it was just like <laughs> cement. It was just like <laughs> chocolate cement on my pants. And I was I got shit from all the like all the Hispanic dudes that worked in the kitchen. They, I'm sure they were yelling shit at me. And at that time, my Spanish wasn't good, so I had no idea what they were saying. But I knew that they were just making fun of me all day. Check uh, out this gringo. So it, it, that was one of the most embarrassing oh, catastrophes man. I've had. Yeah, that I mean that happens all the time. When we it worked does. at the grocery store, I did that a few times. Coming of age moments. Sure, I'm sure you witnessed a few of those. You've got to fuck up and embarrass yourself. Put like. 100 pounds of chicken in the oven and go take a smoke break and forget oh about God. it and come back and our boss would be like hey did you forget something <laughs> see you know fortunately i don't think I've, I've ever had like something where i've ruined something that costs a lot of money oh, other than like nuts i burn nuts and fucking bread like nobody's business oh, but man. um i actually gained a reputation for like catching other people's mistakes before it was c- catastrophic mm-hmm. that one place that i worked in in uh in cape cod there the banquet chef that came in after a month after me being there, he uh, he was kind of an alcoholic, and <laughs> so I'd catch his fuck ups all the time. And one time he had two whole sheet pans of uh, tenderloin steaks, five ounce tenderloin steaks for a wedding of two hundred people god. in the oven, all of them at the same time in this really nice alto sham, like hundred thousand dollar oven. Oh god! He walks out of the kitchen, and I you know I'm I'm grabbing stuff, and like it's a satellite kitchen, so I'm grabbing equipment somewhere else, and then I come back, and I was like. Oh man, Dibble forgot the fucking steaks in the oven. <laughs> so I pull them all out, and he comes running into the kitchen, and he was like, "That's the steaks." And I was like, "I was like, they're perfect." I got them, buddy. <laughs> and he and he's and he's like, "Holy shit, who are you?" And he he gave ta- you know, and it takes a lot of that when it comes to kitchens. You have to pay attention to everything, every single yeah, detail. You do, yeah. It's it's like, like a it's like a dance, a game of chess, right? It's, know you know, know who you're working with and how they're gonna act and like what movements they're gonna make. And exactly, like know that you know when you're making orders, you see all those things coming up, and you're like, okay, they're gonna move over here in like two seconds. And you gotta so know, like, yeah, know their strengths and weaknesses too, so you can use sure. it to your best ability. For sure. For the success, especially of the if you like plan operation. on if you want to move up and be like manager status in any sort of restaurant or anything like that. You can get paid pretty well if you get into managerial stuff, but like, you can. Yeah. Um, it, it is frustrating, especially working your way up there, mm-hmm. you know, and, and having to learn that stuff. And it's, you don't learn it until you do it. True. You, you'll Very never true. know you how to actually, doing. how to actually like deal with it until you experience it, you know? Yep. Absolutely. So that's, you know, anything in life for the most part. Um, so, okay. So you went to school, yep. um, graduated, did all that stuff. Did some working in other kitchens and all that. Yeah, right? and came then, back uh, to Denver. And then uh, now, now you're a personal chef. Yeah. So we'll yes. fast forward now to your personal chef life. You uh, you basically, what, you go and you cook for rich people? <laughs> yeah, essentially. <laughs> so I, uh, I started working for uh, an affluent couple that lives in Cherry Creek um, like five and a half years ago now. 
and I got the job via a recommendation from a chef that I had worked for and, and been a manager for here in Denver, nice. uh, Kevin Taylor. And oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, so he, he gave me a call one day, and this is after I'd had my burnout moment working as the sous chef of Latour and Vale. And, Getting uh, wasted all the time, I'm sure. No, I, I hated life up there. That's where I was like... Not much to do in Vale. Super depressing. Yeah. And I, I quit that job and took a, a, a fucking desk job. Oh, wow. Selling like marketing. Oh, wow. In a cubicle. Because I was, Oof. I needed to get out. I needed to get out of the kitchen. Sure. And anyway, so Kevin had heard that I had left Latour and uh, this guy had said, hey, do you have any recommendations? I need a new chef. And um, he called me and I got the job. Nice. Yeah. And, you, and you've been doing it ever since. Yep. I've been doing it ever since. So uh, how, how is that? Like what um, you just do they give you like a recipe that that's something they want and then and then you make it for them or. Well, um, do I you mean, create a menu for them or it's it, it depends. But mo- most of the time it's like, you know, they'll call me in the morning. I, so the premise is I generally cook dinner for them on weeknights and then sometimes I travel with them. And when I do, I cook three meals a day. And so I, I know what they like better than they know what sure. they like. You know, sure. I, I've got a better bank of ideas of what they'd want to eat and sure. what they've eaten. And that's come over time. I'm sure yeah. that when you first started doing it, they was, probably gave you all sorts of different things to I was scared shitless for about a year. I bet. <laughs> um, but I, uh, you know, I, I, yeah, once I got a hold on it, then it's like, you know, they'll tell me, hey, let's have salmon tonight. And I'll be like, okay. And then I, the formula would be, you know, protein, sauce, couple veggies, starch, salad, maybe that kind of thing. A little kind of meal sort of stuff. So, and and sometimes they'll say, Hey, I want, you know, let's, let's have some cream spinach tonight or something like that. Sure. Um, Hey Trev, here she is making her, her weekly appearance on the podcast. (laughs) She's always always just yelling. She's like, wait, I forgot. I need to come and say hello. (laughs) God damn it, kitty. I know. Um, so yeah, you, you, they basically just send you all sort. Of, if they want something specific, they'll send it to you, and then you make it for them. And yeah, yeah, they they definitely let me know. When you first started, was there ever a time where they were just like, "I really don't like this. Can um, we never make this again, or do better, or something?" Like, did they ever? There's been a few moments where it was like, you know, that wasn't so great. Let's not do that again. But most of the time that that's ever happened is like, you know, they'll, they'll get these wild hairs where they're like looking at like the New, New York Times or some sure. magazine and pull out a recipe. And it's like, hey, let's try this, and I'm like, okay. Sure. <laughs> Whatever you want. And it ends up being. And then I, I make it and I'll, you know, I'll try to make the recipe. You know, recipes suck because recipes are um, a guideline of the way somebody did something. But you can't you can't yeah, recreate it's, it's every environmental like, situation. Yeah. There's there's a lot of variables. Altitude even affects when you're cooking stuff like. <laughs> yeah. And plus also like something can look good in a picture. But, you know, I'll see the recipe and be like, oh, my God, this makes no fucking sense. <laughs> what, who, what were they thinking? Yeah. And they want it. So I make it and they're like, oh, I don't. Yeah. Never that wasn't again. great. But th- then over time, it's gotten to a point where he's uh, th- he'd bring me a recipe and I'd be like, you're not going to like this. <laughs> I'm like, well, are you, you sure we should we, you know, maybe we should give it a shot. Like, <laughs> no, like, I'm pretty sure you won't like this. But what if we did this instead? Sure. And then he'd be like, okay, sure. Sure. So they, you know, they, they definitely trust my, I was, I was gonna, just going to say they, they trust you and they, they know yeah. that you're going to make them something good. And yeah. Heck yeah. Is this your first gig as a personal chef? Uh, th- yeah, that was, that was definitely the breakthrough as a, as a personal chef. And, and now I've got some other clients that I do stuff for. And I started, I mean, with that, I started catering. Um, okay. Uh, and do you and have a aren't you doing a catering business or something like that do you do you have anything like a yeah. name for that so or? i've got a, a company called rogue food works and okay. that was started a couple years ago by my friend dan and i 
who's another Denver chef. And we started it as like a dinner club where we would do once a month, we would team with farms and ranches nearby and, and take their foods and, and highlight it and make a six to 12 course meal in somebody's house for 15 to 20 people. Sweet. It was really cool. It was a lot yeah. of fun. Um, and, and then that, as well as the other catering I had done, because I had another uh, catering company that I had started a few years back before this one. Um, but all the clients just started coming to us and saying, hey, can you do this party? Can you do that party? And so nice. we, we ran out of time to do the monthly events and just now just, now started I just cater doing normal, yeah. a few parties nice. every month. Uh, is there anywhere people can find you for that? You go on Facebook or anything with like that? Uh, yeah. I mean, you can find us on Instagram at Rogue Foodworks. You can find our Facebook page, Rogue Foodworks, but yeah, we don't really do much on there. I know. I'm, I'm bad with social and media too. <laughs> Rogue, RogueFoodworks.com. And what's interesting is Rogue Foodworks is also transitioning into some of the new projects that I'm doing as well, which I know we were going to get into. Mm-hmm. Um, Just that's right after, right, right here in a couple more. Well, I guess this is a, a, a little bit of a lead and we'll yeah. be talking about um, our new film production company, Rogue Food Films. And was this, and so the guy that we're about to talk your uh, fuckumentary. Yeah. Um, so make, yeah. Making and it's with the, with the documentary that you made, did you make it with this guy that you're in the catering business with? No, this is completely separate from him. It's actually, okay. uh, so a buddy of mine that was, I met in a cooking class in high school, mm-hmm. um, has turned into a very, very talented, uh, photographer, videographer, um, and he's a total marketing guru, web developer. Uh, he's a freak. Anything he touches, he's good at. I mean, like he's, <laughs> he's like a pro figure skater, pro paintball Jesus. player. He's got his flight uh, pilot license. Like, I mean, anything <laughs> the guy dancer. touches, he can turn to gold. <laughs> that's yeah, awesome. Yeah. I mean, oh yeah. He actually taught me how to line dance in high school. Oh Jesus. That's great. <laughs> oh man. Oh, that reminds so me of that movie. The other guys, he was in where Mark Wahlberg oh, does all these different that? things. Oh shit. <laughs> Talented. Yeah. He's a talent. man of many talents. Yeah. Um, um so um, before we get into that really quick, I just want to ask oh, yeah. with your personal chef stuff, would you recommend that to someone else that's aspiring to, to be a chef? Get into it. So what's interesting is a lot of people ask me about that and say, so how did you get into that? I'd like to get into that. And and the thing is, it's not something that you can necessarily strive to become. It It's more well, like a recommendation. The, any, most people that I've talked to that are personal chefs, it falls in your lap. Right. Um, and, and, and that can happen a lot of times by if you want to become a personal chef, cater. Sutter Catering okay. Company, okay. because if you get a catering business going and you start working for people of a high enough echelon, one of them might notice you and say, hey, right. I, I'd like to have food delivered to my house because people like that, that need food or want food well, yeah. and don't have the time for it. But they've got mad money to, to, to well, blow I remember food. working with you on a catering event once. We went yeah. to this rich old house and like a bunch of you know people there and like it seemed like it'd be a really good place to market yourself, That's you know, when you're so there. funny. You know, and you got a bunch of people there eating your food. You're like, I'll do this for you, you know, if you want a party. And that stuff. same couple, I just did a, a party for them last Monday. <laughs> really? Yeah, and they, and they, now, you thought that was a nice house. Did they get a new house? The house they live in is just a few doors down from where I work oh in Cherry God. Creek. Oh, my God. And it's, I think it's probably a 10 to $15 million house. Good Lord. I mean, it's... That's it's, great. It's crazy. But, <laughs> but what's interesting is that party that you and I did, uh-huh. I thought... I'm never going to hear back from these guys. We were we were a mess, and it was it was a crazy. Party. It was a crazy night, dude. It a was. lot of shit happened. Yeah, and like things went wrong. I think that yeah, like it, it wasn't it wasn't clean. We can just it's put it that true, way. Yeah, it just it just it wasn't executed perfectly. We we yeah. were in over our heads a little bit. And Remember, I, you were trying to shuck oysters, and we were trying to do all kinds of other. Oh shit. my god, it was well, and there was like people there that none of us knew each other. So it was just like a band of misfits going in there, like no communication skills with each other, and like yeah. trying to <clears> do all this shit. And everyone's like, Curtis, what do we do? And you're like. 
I don't know. This is this is way more than I can handle. Cook something. What's what's amazing though is that client called me now about two years ago, but this is two years after we had done that party. Right. And it was a while. Uh, it was a long time ago. <laughs> and and I've done parties for her almost every month since then. Nice. I'm, I'm the only person she calls for catering. Nice. Which is that's excellent. Super. That's, cool. And that's you know. Good business right there. Just from that one party that even yeah. even though it didn't like get executed the best, it still uh, got it was good, good enough. business out of that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean and that's fantastic. The, that's the thing. So if, if anybody wants to get into catering, do it right. Don't just uh, don't just cook food. Cook really good food and and find and get good service yeah don't sell yourself short on anything like yeah because it's it's, and that's something that i had to learn from the beginning i i you know people be like hey i'm gonna have 20 people over and my budget's 500 dollars and at the time i would take it because i was like money kind of desperate to get it yeah i needed money but then you realize the food cost and that that client sucks because they're they're like you know their budget is so small. I mean, and they want so much. Or, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and so you're barely, barely making a hundred bucks on a party and uh, yeah, find the right clients. I mean, right. if, if you, if you have the luxury to find the right clients, do it. I mean, but also it's not always easy to do, but also make sure that you're good enough to find the right clients. Yeah. Cause you don't want to get a right client, people. talk yourself up and then fucking you make can't, it garbage. You yeah. You can't do what they you know. want you to do. Yeah. They'll know. And they'll either hire you back or they won't. Right. Oh man. That'd be so, that'd be, I, I just couldn't do it. Yeah, too I embarrassing. mean, <laughs> one of the so for me, a gauge of if, if an event went well or not is how many people ask for my card and how many of those people call me in the next week. Sure, and, that makes sense. And I mean, and that's yeah. what happens now. And 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 so that's why you know, like the Rogue Foodworks thing, it, it's just transformed into me just doing catering with the right people, um, because like you said, it is a good way to market yourself in those in those situations. Um, and people are like, oh, do you do any marketing or this or that? And there's not a whole lot that I, I do because it's, it's word of mouth and the thing for that's me, not much you can do because I'd, it is. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, I have my day job and the catering is a bonus for me and mm. I, I enjoy, um, doing it at, at a scale that I I'm comfortable with. If, if I were just doing a catering company, it'd be a very different story. Right. Uh, where I'd be chasing much more business. Right. So it's, it's a unique situation, but anyways, sure. to become a private chef, you just got to kind of work at it and meet people. Be really good at what you do. Yeah. That's I'm not saying that I'm like I'm like the best yeah. chef or anything like that. No, but, but you I'm definitely <clears throat> know what you're doing. You know, like I've, you, I've, I've built a reputation. You're yeah, and you're good at you're good at it for sure. There's no doubt. Thanks, um, man. Let's uh, let's move on here to the uh, fuckumentary. So I really is, I really like that name. So it the is the, it's the fuckumentary. It's so funny. Um, what is the fuckumentary? So the fuckumentary it started as an idea. The, the idea actually kind of started not as a, a joke, but just an idea because my, my friend Freeman and I, we were sitting having a bowl of pho before we went and he was going to do video and photography of one of the Rogue Foodworks parties. And he's like kind of chatting about how he lived in LA in Garden Grove and uh, had a, he was eating pho all the time out there. Mm-hmm. And we were he was like, you know, where, where's pho come from? Like, what is pho? What's the story of pho? And I was like, man, I have no idea. <laughs> and I realized it's one of the few things in food that I just, don't know about don't yeah don't really know its roots yeah and then we started to look around a little bit and realized there's Nobody not a whole really lot of information knows. out there about it yeah so we were like okay he was like you know i i had an idea you know what if what if somebody made a documentary about fun and there was the joke like oh yeah you'd have to call it the fuckumentary because <laughs> there's all these food puns about fuck like, oh yeah you know the fuck king yeah and you know for show, <laughs> all of that 
Oh yeah, yeah of course. And if you're gonna make a dec- documentary on that, there's no other name you can right. have for so, it. So, and I mean, granted, it's edgy, and uh, you know, but that's what people like. Yeah, people are gonna look into that. They're gonna be like, Bingo. "What is this?" So wh- what we did is we took that name and we're like, "Okay, yeah, if we're gonna if we're gonna do this, because well, so it, it was a joke at first because right. of that name, but then you took and, it and, and then with Freeman it. calls me a few months later, and it was it was great timing. He called me. Um, I, I was newly single and ready to ready to you know <laughs> mingle. Uh, Ready to t- ready to fucking take over the world. Yeah, know? one of those very inspired uh, moments in life. I love those moments. Right, it's great. <laughs> so he calls me and he's like, "So my mom talked me into to doing the documentary, and uh, I need somebody that knows food well. Would you be game to be in on it?" And I was like, "Yeah, absolutely." He's like, "Well, we'd have to go to Vietnam," and I was like, "I'll ask work tonight." Yeah. And I asked them that night. They approved, and uh, so we started a Kickstarter project to see if this idea, if this name how it would be received sure. and within within a day we were published in on the front page of eater.com not just eater denver I, or I anything that. like that I like remember all that national shit. eater and then oc weekly and a few other um food bloggers and yeah, things pe- like that people came want to us. this documentary they don't i yeah. mean it's not just a funny little gimmick when our kickstarter name, but campaign people was, actually want it yeah it was i was surprised that we we had a fully successful kickstarter how campaign. much how much uh, were you guys at, trying to make in the kickstarter so we were trying to make ten thousand because we were like you know if we're gonna do something let's let's go for something realistic right granted we had no idea what we were getting into and and ten thousand dollars to make a documentary and it's not gonna cut it yeah no way um so kevin smith would have a hard time doing that yeah right (laughs) and so we've had to self-fund it from that but we raised just over eleven thousand via 260 backers which was which was great did you give them any incentive to donate yeah so there's there's, that's uh there's backer rewards there you know t-shirts a book chopstick sets things like that yeah um credits in the film producer credits um q a sessions things of that nature um so and even some there's a few restaurants that were higher level and they uh, will be screening the finished film in their restaurant. Nice. Yeah. So we'll be doing that here in Denver at Fun 95 in South Glen. Nice. I know that for sure. I'll have to you'll have to keep me updated on that so I can update, you know, the yeah, Twist My yeah, Arm stuff and let people know. Um, so basically, th- I mean, the way you prepared was pretty much just. You know food. He knows audio video. Like you got a Kickstarter going. You raise enough money and then. So we then what happened? Like, so so the, the whole idea so was like okay. so it's real now. You have eleven thousand dollars. It's real. Yeah. What what, what well, do you do next? Well, what's interesting is that we had decided before uh, the Kickstarter campaign started that we we booked flights to go to Vietnam. Okay. Because we even were like before even before. Okay. We were like we're gonna do this and um, I mean if we're gonna find out the roots to pho, we have to go to Vietnam. God, that's you know. Let me hang on. Let me just say something. That's so fucking cool because like so many people go, I want to do this. <laughs> and I'm going to do this at some point in time. I'm going to do such and such. I'm going to go over here and do this. But then they never fucking do it. It's like when I first started this podcast, I went on Facebook and I was like, I'm going to start a podcast this weekend and I, I need someone else to do it with me. And I had so many responses of people that are like, yeah, I'll come do it. I'll come do it. And I'm like, okay, Saturday at seven. Nobody showed up. None. None, <laughs> none of the people that were super stoked about coming and doing the podcast showed up. And I was like, well, fuck you guys. I'm going to do it myself because I want to do this. Really and funny. I want to, I just I want to do it, you but know, and like I I just I did it, and I I love it when people are like I want to do this, like well, what, you're like I yeah. want to go to Vietnam. What was to start I saying this a few minutes ago? Did it, it. The difference between a dream and doing uh, and a dream oh, and reality sure. is just doing it for sure. And and so well, it was like you know Freeman, him and I both. Sorry, been, I went on a tangent. No, right you're <laughs> good. I, I, lo- I love that because 
both Freeman and I have always been really entrepreneurially minded. You know, we've done a lot of weird things over the years. He had a clothing company. I, I've, I started like a, a tobacco just all those company. like small little we did a magazine like together lemonade stands for adults <laughs> pretty yeah, much yeah just ridiculous <laughs> shit yeah but i mean that's the thing you go through a lot of failures but anyway so that's why he approached me as well as not just that i i'm you know i know about food but that we would both go for the idea and sure. actually like do it right and so it was scary though because we had we it's funny to th- for me to look back on when we started it and what our idea of how are we going to prepare for this? What are we looking for? What's our story that we want to get out of this compared to right now mm-hmm. and what the story has evolved into. Right. And that all happened out of, um, you know, for the Kickstarter, we, we were like, okay, so if we're going to do the Kickstarter campaign, let's go out to California where there's a lot of fa LA, um, Camp Pendleton where a lot of Vietnamese refugees came over in the seventies. Like that's a good spot to go to. Sure. Did some interviews, Boom, the story turns into way way more than we expected. Right. We're like, shit. So then going to Vietnam, that happens, and we go there, and our minds are blown again. Sure. I mean, that was just an overwhelming experience altogether. So where where in Vietnam did you go? Everywhere. So, sorry, well, let, me, let me backtrack a little bit. You said you went to, you went to California, to yeah, all that place? Yeah, Orange you, County, San Francisco. How long before you went to Vietnam did you go to California and do all those interviews? Uh, it was March to March, then June. So Okay, so not too... March. It was pretty close. Three months before are those interviews? Are those interviews in California also going to be featured in the documentary? Yeah, definitely. Okay. There's, there's one. Bao Nguyen is uh, the mayor of Garden Grove, California. Okay, uh, sweet. The first Vietnamese uh, mayor of a major city. Nice. Yeah, he just he ran for Congress, but uh, this year and actually got a, a, a pretty awesome percentage, but didn't win because you know well, I think yeah. it was just it one of those situations where he was he was going against an, a strong incumbent. Sure. Um, but awesome guy. Awesome. 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 Dude. So and we so. Okay, so that's cool. I, I'm, I'm excited to see this. Um, so you go to California, you do those interviews, go back home, get ready, and then you go to Vietnam. And where was the first place that you went to when you went to Vietnam? So we, we landed in Hanoi. We started from started in the north because um, we had heard that that's where pho comes from. Okay. That's where it originated. Was um, So that there's like the story of French influence of the French... Uh, French being in Vietnam mm-hmm. uh, in the early 1900s, and they brought beef with them. Okay. Oh my God! How different was it over there in Vietnam? Going oh, from fucking Denver, Colorado to to fucking Vietnam. I can I can. Sh- I'll, I'll Did you have show some you. culture shock? Oh man! I remember I remember all the snaps you sent me, like yeah. billions of Snapchats <laughs> yeah, when you were over so there. So much snap. But um, like, was there any culture shock for you when huge, you first got huge. there? Huge. Huge. Like, I mean, so Freeman made a like a couple minute video of just our time in Vietnam. And the first shot is us in the taxi uh, on our way from the airport in Hanoi into the city of Hanoi uh-huh. and me just jaw dropped, holding my chin, <laughs> looking out the window at shit. And yeah. I mean, it's just so much going on visually. There's so many fucking people and so much weird shit. Like, <laughs> I mean, there's people on scooters. There's like five people on one scooter. And you're like, how are they doing that? Like, this is, this is like, it's like, like, you know, like a Vespa, like, you know, little oh my tiny God. scooters. That's what they call a a whole, Viet, That's what they call a Vietnamese pack. <laughs> I guess so. I mean, instead of the Mexi pack, it's the Vietnamese. Yeah, pack. that's. But seriously, a whole family would be able to ride on one. I mean, wow. we saw such such cool, crazy things, and so we started there, and then we went. Uh, we kind of tried to follow the storyline as we knew it in in Vietnam, and and the story that we had heard is that um, Far originated in Hanoi and moved south, and okay. Saigon is the southern capital, kind of of, of Vietnam. Okay. And you know, there's north and south, and mm-hmm. through the war, yada yada yada. I don't need to go into all that. Yeah, you yeah. Can watch the movie. I don't want to. I don't want to go in a history lesson right now. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> but anyway, so the, so we traveled south, um, and we stopped in 
Uh, so we went Nam Den, Hanoi, Nam Den, then we went south to Da Nang and Hoi An, and then in central Vietnam there's Hue, uh, which is a really historic city, and then we went down from there to Saigon or Ho Chi Minh City, Okay. and then uh, went out to Canto in the Mekong Delta, which is Jesus, you really everywhere. cool, and then went back to Saigon. How long was this trip? How long were we that out was, there? That was 15 days. Okay. And so it was a lot. It was the, a lot of movement. And w- Hanoi, <laughs> you said right? Hanoi was the first place you were at. Yeah. Did you interview anyone immediately when you first got there? Like, did you go to a uh, restaurant God, and like the, the check f- out? The first day we were there, we were so scared. We didn't know what to do. <laughs> no. Well. Yeah. Was it weird, kind of going up to people, making a documentary? Two white guys. Well, going we to had all to be these, pretty. Like, I mean, we weren't going there with like a f- like a full on filming like crew. permit and shit. Oh yeah, we that's were, true. So we were kind of we were kind of under the radar yeah, with yeah. things, and we had we had some contacts from a friend of mine here that had, had set us up with people there sure. that then would take us around. I mean, our our first morning in Vietnam, we went and and ate pho at a couple places, and asked them like, "Hey, do you mind if we come back and interview you later?" And they get so the next day we interviewed five restaurants, we, and you have to eat a bowl of pho at all of them. So oh, okay, I, and one day had five bowls of pho. Jesus, and I was like jet lag you just felt like shit and <laughs> and had to ride around on scooters and and eat five bowls of pho oh interestingly God. i actually felt better by the end of it oh nice so weird people have Some this idea of... that there's healing properties yeah, of yeah, pho. Yeah, for sure. maybe you'll see something about that in the movie uh-huh. um, so so yeah then uh oh man did you have people like sign contracts and stuff to <laughs> no mm-hmm. that's oh. all right that's cool don't get me into that yeah. So well, I mean, th- you're just yeah. gonna you're just gonna blur out faces, I'm sure, right? And uh, do translating well, well, and stuff the like that. There's th- there's interesting things with like you know. I guess yeah. The in, how in are the public. laws over there? Like, <laughs> oh, I don't know over as there. Far as I have no idea actually. Yeah, I guess <laughs> <laughs> there's there's parts of uh, of this project that are bridges we still have not crossed. This is gonna be great. It's logistics. either you're either you guys are gonna release this and either like get really huge and it's gonna be like you know <laughs> i mean a, l- a breakthrough and like in in fun all that stuff or you guys are gonna get arrested for I, well, I don't, <laughs> for I, illegally interviewing i, I don't <laughs> doubt somebody's gonna try to sue us but oh, that's for just because sure. there's haters everywhere you yeah. know that's something that's interesting i mean we is it, there is there the, any other sort of documentary out there has anyone ever tried it or there like? was there was one guy that he wanted to make a documentary about fun he was going to make a, a tv series about it we actually okay. sat down with him in san oh. diego okay um which we sat down at a restaurant called Fahua, which I'll tell you is the best bowl of pho I've ever had. Okay. In San Diego? In San Diego. Okay. Fahua. Fahua. And it, it's, it, all they do is beef pho. Okay. That's it. Um, like, it's so not like all the other pho restaurants you go to that. So, so this guy was going to make a, he was going to make a series out of it? Yeah. And so he wanted to sit down and see like what we were thinking of doing and okay. whatnot. And, and, um, Did you have to buy any sort of like rights from him or anything? No, no. He, okay. he didn't have anything. And he was actually more curious if we were going to do it right. Oh, and, okay. And, want, and then, you know, gave, gave us his well wishes with okay. it. Gave which you was, guys his blessing. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> which was really, really flattering That is pretty and cool. cool, yeah. Um, so, but yeah. I mean, All right, so, sorry. Let me... Uh, oh, go ahead. We'll just, I'm just going to keep this going here. We'll keep, keep flowing. Um, what are the, like, when, when you're in the... What was your first interview like, basically? Like when you when you God, we had no idea what we were doing. I, I was gonna say like, did you have a translator there with you? To oh, in, in so in Vietnam, our first interview. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, over there, we kind of had an idea of what we wanted to ask and, and all that. Uh, but yeah, we did have translators for all of it. Okay. And so we we ask them, uh, have our our friend that was with us ask them questions and they'd answer it on and camera, right, which right, we right. still haven't had all of those translated, all of those interviews. So oh, wow. what's funny is that that was like over a year ago and I still don't know what 
any wow. of them said. Who's? Do you have a translator for you right now that's working? Yeah, on we're, it we're, yeah, we're working on getting all of it, okay. all of it transcribed. Dang. But it's it's a big project. For I sure. Because we had probably, t- uh, I think it was ten or eleven. I was gonna say um, how many interviews, interviews over there over in mm-hmm. Vietnam, and they were all translator stuff. Did you have anyone that spoke English at all? Uh, no, not really. But wow. th- and, and there was there was one guy though that we've had his interview kind of translated. And it was like, this guy spoke like the godfather of pho. It was, it was <laughs> so cool. But everybody that was there with us, we yeah. had a pretty big crew that day. All the Vietnamese people that were with us, when he was talking, they were jaw dropped. Just mesmerized. They were like, this guy is a big deal. This guy is amazing. Yeah. Uh, that was really cool. He is and we didn't even fucking expect it. amazing. That one, that one, yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> um, so what what would be one of the like most mind blowing things that you learned about the origin the origin of uh, I don't wanna I don't wanna like spoil the documentary uh, too much. I don't wanna ask too many questions about sure. like what's in the actual documentary, but like you personally, what was one of the one of the things that's like holy shit. Yeah, you're like, Oh my god, this is awesome. Um I mean, you know, one it it's really minor, but one of one of the things that was most surprising was did you know that pho is actually a breakfast food? No. Yeah. Wow. In Vietnam, it's served for breakfast. Wow. I think yeah, I I was like, okay, cool. What do they have for dinner out there? Pho. <laughs> <laughs> other other rice dishes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, rice is the staple. Oh I mean, yeah, for sure. Uh, they, they have a saying. Well, and actually, like potatoes. China has a saying of it as well as what is a meal without rice, or and actually, there's a greeting in China. I can't remember if it's Cantonese or Mandarin, but saying hello is uh, translates to have you had rice huh. today that's or funny. have you eaten have you eaten rice yet yeah they i, I mean they love their rice for sure it's interesting i like rice i love rice I, dude i would dude. i just bought a 50 pound bag of I rice can, yeah the other day. <laughs> <laughs> i could cook rice every night and just like throw some salt on that shit and eat it with some it's delish oh so good um it's great when you want to eat 2000 of something right so let's see. <laughs> that's an old mitch hedberg joke Sorry, that went way over my head right there. <laughs> I said, uh, Mitch Hedberg, what was his God. joke? It was, <laughs> I need rice is great when you want to eat 2,000 or something. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, man. That was a really good <coughs> Mitch Hedberg impression. You want to, speaking of impressions, let's, let's, oh, go off, no. let's go off topic a little bit here. And let's talk about your... Uh, you Amazing an, an, impression. Special guest <laughs> in the house. Christopher Walken. Today. Oh my God, he's here. Christopher Walken, how are you? Wonderful. How are you? I'm I'm fantastic. Gosh. It's it's so good. It's so good to have you on the show. What what are you uh what are, what have you, you been up to lately? Nothing. Nothing at all. <laughs> S- sit on my ass. <laughs> watching it's horrible TV shows about nothing. What what do you think about Curtis's uh documentary over here? Bullshit. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I love it. Oh, oh it's so man. good. You know, so the, it's f- so funny to do the Christopher Walken impression because <laughs> it, it came out of it's a drunk thing. Like I, it, oh it, yeah, of it just comes out when I'm drunk, <laughs> and I hardly drink anymore, so I hardly ever do that. I've hardly ever done the impression. Oh, it's so even spot sober. On. It's so good. I love it. God damn it! Thank you for doing that. We'll sure. get we'll get back to this. <laughs> oh man. Oh, think the radio can't see me blush. Oh man, that's so funny. So, God, where were we? Um, oh, learning about pho. So, what, um, what, what were your like favorite parts about being over there? You know what I mean? Like, you go over there to this foreign Man, country, and like, you see all these new things. We, like, you know, it was. I, it's that's pretty easy because it, it was. We were so scared going over there. We had so many worries, and like, we were, sure. you know, like, 
you know, are we going to get fucking malaria? You know, like, are we going to get, have somebody rob us? Uh, you know, yeah. uh, that was my next question. Is like, how was, how was the like danger level out there? Like every it's, it's fine. I mean, I'm a foot taller than anybody there. <laughs> so nobody was fucking with us. Sure. And, and the thing is like, we were fine. We didn't have a single problem. None of us got sick. Huh? And the thing is, we ate sketchy shit. We ate, like they say, sure. like, don't eat the ice because it's made with dirty water <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, we broke that rule the first morning. <laughs> I mean, seemed good to me. Like, seemed like good ice to me. I look back on it. I honestly, I think we just got really lucky. But sure. um, I was just amazed that we did not have any of the problems that we expected to have. And also on top of that, the people are so nice. Really? So generous. Nice. Everyone there was incredible. Uh, it's just such a culture of of giving nature of, of forgiveness of, of help. Like everybody helps everyone. That's cool. That helps a lot when you're going over there and especially doing a project like that. Going yeah. Over there to a foreign country and, and our, like our invading m- space and shit. Like. Yeah. One, our main guy that helped us out, this guy Kang, he would like anything we needed. He'd just like walk up to a random person and be like, Hey, do you know about blah, blah, blah? Or mm. what about blah, blah, blah? Where can I find blah, blah, blah? And, and every single time the, I mean, the person would like take us there. Oh, wow. I mean, it was super nice. It was amazing. Yeah. Great culture. The thing I could say is if you ever travel to Vietnam, find a friend that has a friend in Vietnam. Okay. Because if you like, I can't imagine what it would have been like if we didn't have somebody with us. Sure. That like knew the language. Oh, man. If you don't, if you don't have the worst. Yeah. Trying to like, trying to figure out what's, what's going on. What like what to eat, where to go, what to do. Just pointing at something. You're like, ah, that symbol looks good, I guess. And I've heard from people (laughs) that went to Vietnam that didn't know anybody. And they're like, ah, Vietnam sucks. That was the worst trip I've ever been on in my life. Like, did you, and my first question is always, did you know somebody or did you have anybody there to help you? And they say, no, that's, that's why that was your problem. Yeah. That's where you went wrong. Um, so did you see any like awesome landmarks or anything over there? Um, you know, we, we didn't see a whole ton there. What's interesting is there are some big landmarks. I mean, in, in Hanoi, we stayed right by Juan Cam Lake. Okay. Juan Cam Lake is the lake that, uh, John McCain actually crashed, uh, into. Oh, and then was really POW. Yeah. So it was pretty interesting being near that. Um, but other than that, you know, I mean, you were basically just like you, you were in an entire land or landmark because it, it was an old war zone. Oh yeah. Basically. Yeah. Like yeah. You totally. Vietnam is a landmark. <laughs> it is like, but and it's, it's it, like the East coast in America. That's, you know, <laughs> it's a landmark because of all the wars that went on over there, totally. the battles and shit. Like it's very, it's very historic and it's an interesting place because it's, there's a lot of history there, but they've also just been, they've just been over centuries. Just, I mean, everybody's tried to take over Vietnam. I mean, yeah. the French, Chinese, Portugal, Japan. Um, every, I mean, I'm not sure who hasn't tried to take over Vietnam. It's just like this little piece of land on on the coast, and everybody wants wants it. Yeah. But you know, the, it, and I think that is what makes their culture so rich, vibrant, and unique is that they have influences of all these different places. Right. Like you can find, like. The weird uh, everything there is a fusion okay like the fact <laughs> that they have baguettes that's french they didn't have wheat bef- before right. the french were there but their baguettes like for a banh mi sandwich mm. they use wheat flour and rice flour so okay. it's a much lighter texture uh, more crispy uh, i bet that's yeah. delicious but they're really good heck yeah. yeah um so then uh god we went through all that stuff you were with a tour guide and and was it just you and your friend 
Just the uh, two of it you? Was, it was me, him, and his girlfriend. Okay. So it was three of us. And who did the interviewing and stuff? Did um, you all do it? or? Yeah, well, Freeman, like, would, pretty much, Freeman would pretty much have the camera. Um, I, I was always running the audio. Um, and Josephine would always have a camera and be taking pictures and stills of stuff. Um, and then we would have whoever was with us to translate for us and we'd have a list of questions on the phone for them. We'd kind of go through it with them beforehand. Okay. Um, so, and then so none of you at all, w- were you at all physically in the movie or the documentary or were, we're not, I'm not sure. I still don't know if I actually will be or not. Huh. I mean, you might see glimpses of me in the movie. Um, and I might do some narrating if we need to. Okay. But the thing is the movie will be a lot better if it is, if it is, us taken away from it and really focusing on the topic because mm. the, it's not a movie about us going to Vietnam or anything like that. Right. This is a cultural that's, story. You that's know? A, that's what the next thing I was going to say is that like most documentaries have the star of the documentary that's making it oh, that do all that. the interviewing and all that stuff. But you guys yeah. are going a totally different route and it's like you're not making it about anybody else but the but fa. You know what I mean? You, yeah. You're asking. Did you say butt fuck? But fa. <laughs> but fa. But fa. I like that. That's do, funny. Do you like butt fa? That's what I'm going to name this episode. Butfa? The butt fuckumentary. <laughs> butt fuckumentary. <laughs> um, like but yeah, sorry. What was I? What was I just saying? Just God, you got me all thinking about butt sex. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was good. I don't even remember either. Yeah. Um. Butt just, stuff. just having, having. Oh, talk, talking about the, the, the way that you made it and how cool it was with like. You, oh, none yeah, of you like being a star in it. You're, you're just kind of, you know, you have these people that are talking about it and you're actually just yeah. learning and stuff like that well, like, and, and the thing of is of course you're gonna have a narrator behind it i'm sure like kind of might. talking about different things we might not need one if the, the thing I is i guess if it works out you might not yeah for sure if, if our interview we've because we've gotten some really great interviews and if mm-hmm. we have enough interviews that cover all the topic matter then there's no need to introduce the topic because they'll introduce it themselves sure so that's the whole goal yeah and and we actually just had a huge interview last week that we've been trying to chase down for the past year and a half with a woman named Andrea Nguyen, and she is one of the most knowledgeable people in the topic of fuck. Now, is it Andrea Nguyen or Andrea Nguyen? Andrea Nguyen. Huh, okay, is it spelled like Win? N G U Y E N Y U E N. Yeah, she's not Win. Nguyen. She's not Win. Pretty sure it's Win. Pretty sure that's pronounced Win. It's Nguyen. Okay, I don't know. I don't know. So it's. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's Nguyen. Nguyen. It, okay, well, that's that. You, so, <laughs> Vietnamese is a tonal language. Yeah, and and most of us English-speaking people don't have even no really ideas. have the the, yeah. the the muscle in our mouth to figure it out to 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 speak with the nuances <laughs> that Vietnamese requires because it's such difficult. We're language. not just ignorant in our heads, but in our muscles At least we, too. We're not saying <laughs> in Nguyen. In in Gu, yeah. You know, know. I mean, it, the thing is that's so. So well, how do you pronounce pho? Right. Yeah. It's. I mean, the best pronunciation I know of it now is is pho, and it's there's kind of like an like inflection an at the end. Uh, pho. Okay. Yeah, and that there's history to that. Huh. Which is in which the is film. all in the documentary, yeah. of course. And so get back to that that last interview. The um, oh Andrea. So yeah. so she she's actually coming out with a cookbook uh, this coming spring called the fuck cookbook i think that's the name of it but it's a fuck cookbook okay um but she's written a lot has done a lot of cookbooks and does a lot of educational uh seminars and she's she knows more about pho than we do right now i think um nice and so very knowledgeable interview then for sure you got huge, a lot of stuff out of it huge it nice. was monumental it was the interview that we needed nice um so freeman flew out to to santa cruz 
and uh and got that interview with her just last week or the week before heck yeah so i mean that's big we were trying to get get in touch with her and get her online for the past year and a half and finally got it and and that kind of solidifies my feeling that we not only have, have a good story good going on here but this is going to be a good movie nice like I, I i've always believed in the idea yeah but the more we go into it and the further we go along the more i fully believe like this is this is much more than i ever expected it could be nice and i think the story is is robust it's rich it's something that's been on that hasn't necessarily been told or isn't it's not known by the general public yeah and it's going to open people's eyes to the to vietnamese culture it's not just pho yeah, it's, and, it's a and story. there's so many people I'm sure that are curious about this. Me, me included. Like yeah. I definitely like, I've had pho like maybe twice and knew nothing about it. You know what I mean? It's great, delicious, but like right. And it's so trendy and, right now. Everybody loves yeah, pho. So it's, nobody it's has a perfect, any fucking clue what they're putting it's in a their mouth. Perfect thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess the last thing with that is when can we expect to see it and where can we expect to see it? Like, are you so, releasing DVDs, Blu-rays? Yeah, we we like, will be eventually. Um, so we're hoping to be in post-production we're going to be uh, going to vancouver in january to do some hopefully some of our final filming okay. and then we'll be going into post-production through january and february hopefully having a rough cut by the end of that and we're going to be entering the 2017 2018 film festival season so oh, nice. the film festival season begins in september and we're going to be entering for everything tribeca sundance uh, nice. asian film festivals Heck yeah uh, all kinds of things that we can and uh that will dictate our distribution. You know, we might, there's a chance we could get picked up by a distributor mm-hmm. like Magnolia or Sony or something like that. But right. that's, that's kind of a stretch. Most likely it'll be independently distributed and we'll pr- it'll probably be available on Netflix nice. one way or another. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, that's, are you going to do goal. it on YouTube or anything for people that can't afford to get stuff? I mean, everyone has net. I don't even have, actually, I don't have Netflix right now. Cause oh, I dang, dang. I do. I don't like paying for it. Yeah, that's fair. Well, I, I don't have cable because. <laughs> and I have, I have cable now and HBO. So See, it's like, I'm like, I'll pay for doing? the cable and take the Netflix out of there for a little while. I, I got rid of cable and got Netflix and Amazon Prime. So. Okay. But but, anyways, but is it going to be on YouTube for the, the people like me that don't have Netflix? <laughs> I, I don't know. That's yeah. really hard to say. I, I can't. It's impossible to say what channels it'll be distributed on right now. You're just kind of. But it will be available. Okay. It will Sweet. be widely available. And you're thinking what? By next next fall, something like that. September, I think so. Yeah, I mean, because of the way that the film festivals work, we won't actually do a full premiere of it until after that season is over. So it'll be in 2018. Nice. Yeah, we'll have Which, to do a we'll have to do a follow up episode. Yeah, that'll be and cool. See, you once, know what's what's going on and once it's once premiered and everything. Yeah, that'd be super cool. Have, yeah. have have the other people on as as well with you. You know, it's 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 Talk already been it. almost two years that we've been doing this, and it doesn't feel like that long, but. It's Holy taking a lot shit. of work. Yeah, but you guys are well, almost done. So it takes it takes a lot to put together something like this. I don't think For we sure. realized how much it was when we right. took on the project. That happens a lot. Yeah. Um, anything that you'd like to 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 say at all about anything? Any shout outs you want to give? Anything like any uh, Facebook pages you want to promote or any any plugs you want to do? You know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know. Well, I what, mean, what was if the, you want to see more about the 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 fuckumentary, you can find that on. The, the best way to follow along with what we're doing is on Instagram at Fuckumentary, which is P-H-O-C-U-M-E-N-T-A-R-Y. Uh, right. With no spaces or anything in there. Um, and uh, we occasionally do updates to our Kickstarter page, 
which uh, we generally do publicly available. So you can see there is a small trailer um, of the film online. If you want, you can go on to Freeman Lafleur's YouTube video page, Kay. and and his, his channel. He's got some some stuff of our, our Kickstarter project video, our some of our footage from Vietnam, and uh, also the trailer of the film is up there as well. So the current trailer, okay. trailer to now. All right. Yeah. Sweet. Good to know. So check it out. Um, with that, we're gonna we're gonna end this episode. Um, Thanks again for coming on, Curtis. Yeah, man. Thanks for having stuff. me. It's been, it's been a blast for sure. Really excited. I like these two-person episodes. That's yeah, fun. They're fun. I, li- I like how, how like easy it is to, to ask questions and shit. It's, yeah, it's, it's a like good it's time. Not so bouncy. Yeah, I love, the, I love the group sessions too, but this is great. Um, God, I have to pee so bad, so I'm going to do these closing <laughs> thoughts here That's pretty it. quick. <laughs> That's about all I got is that I got to pee. Now, uh, next week, we're going to have Jesse, Travis, and Nate on for the Rogue One special. Uh, the week after that, we're going to have our 2016 review. It'll be a New Year's special. Um, I'm still looking for someone to come on. If anyone wants to come on and bitch about 2016, let me know. Um, I got Jason Kelly coming on for another living room session, January 7th. And then I have the Noshery and Goldspot has actually joined that show. The owners of the Noshery and Goldspot from uh, from Denver, the restaurants and brewery in Denver. Um, that'll be January 21st. Thank you guys all again for listening and for supporting. Today we hit our 100 like mark. Woo, 100 likes. That's so, so cool. Like, I know it's not a lot, but I think it's fucking awesome that 100 people actually pay attention. Now now all of you tell your friends so there's 100 more. Yeah, no shit. (laughs) Um, You can reach us at twistmyarmpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, SoundCloud, and iTunes. Um, thanks again for listening and we'll talk at you next week. This is Straight White Teeth with the song called Coma Kid. Have a good week. Thank you.